you're listening to another Type 40 Live Doctor Who podcast from the Spacebook. Audio editions of our video content originally streamed to YouTube and other platforms. A quick reminder, this is recorded completely live and we interact with viewers across those platforms in real time. The occasional detail may get lost in translation, we're working on that, and the odd swear word may pass one or more of our lips, so this show may not be suitable for the under-15s. Now that's all straight. Let's start the show. Everybody, good to see you. Well, I can see you, but you can't see me. Welcome, whatever time zone or time stream that you're joining us from across the Hooniverse. Back to the Spacebook, the best channel that you'd never heard of. For Type 40 Live here on a Thursday evening. Going to be a bit more laid back here than usual, I think. It's been a long day. And uh, yeah, even though we have a TARDIS, it doesn't, yeah, we can only fix so much. We're, we're only human, we're not Time Lords here. But I am Dan Hadley, Birmingham's King of the Geeks, and this is Type 40 Live, our live stream sister show to the Type 40 podcast that we put out with the Fandom Podcast Network. We've been doing that for nearly three years now. Lots and lots of conversations rolling on and on and on. So we thought we'd do it live, bring in a whole group of companions and friends and you guys watching along in the chat. So again, thank you over the last week or two. The, uh, the comments that you've been giving on all these live streams, they're going up and up and up and up. We love having the conversations. The feedback is fantastic. Lots of questions. I think you uh, sometimes credit us with more intelligence <laughs> than certainly I've got. I can't speak for the others. But lots of conversation, conversations and good starting points for further thinking, for further reading. So thanks for all of that. We do try and answer as many as we can, not just myself, but some of the others too. We're going to be bringing them on in a couple of moments. So yes, this is uh, two and a bit hours of concentrated Doctor Who talk just for you. Classic and new. This is where time and space meets common sense. <laughs> and we have a few laughs along the way to just try stopping us. Hope you're all down for that. Let's see who's, let's see who's right in early doors. Ahoy. We have an ahoy. We've got an early ahoy here from our friend Kathleen uh, Doubloon here. In, in the chat, there he is. <laughs> I assume it's a he. Actually, I'm not entirely sure. Is Crimpling de Bloon a he or not? We, we need to know the answers to these questions. We've got uh, just uh, Julian Rax. This is good evening. I hope you're all well. I'm very well, thank you, Julian. I hope you are too. You, I'll ask the rest when they come on as well. Who else is here? 
Wendology from the department of Wendology. It's uh, it's uh, Wendy herself saying evening, the space book, and uh, yeah, lots and lots of other people. Cynix, Cynix says evening. Good to see you, Cy. It's a new name. Don't remember seeing you before. Stick around. We're about to have something here that will uh, tickle your end of the time vortex, whether you're a classic or a new fan. We do try our best. And uh, there's uh, Richard Brooks here says hello, Dan. Hello, Richard. Hope you've all got uh, so a drink on the go, maybe, and fasten, fasten your seatbelts. We uh, we have lots to get through, lots to get through this time. Who else is here? Hi there. Who's this? Alan Collins. Good to see you again, Alan. Oh, lots of familiar faces, as well as the new name. So, yes, expect time we got started, don't you? Let's. Oh, no. Jake. Jamie Pring and that icon. Can't not mention that, Jamie. Okay, who first? Who first? Oh, yes, I've been recording podcasts in the week. A few conversations coming your way. And uh, one of them has been with uh, with this guy. We'll bring him in now to say hello. So uh, it's my good friend, the original lunatic, Mr. Simon Horton. Oh, it's me, is it? <laughs> hello, folks. I wasn't at all ready for that. <laughs> Hello, folks. Yes, I'm here. Keep on his toes, Keep on his toes everybody. <laughs> yeah, Good absolutely. How, how are you? Okay. I'm good, thank you. I've got my cup of tea. Look, this is this is my motto for the day. There we are. That's uh, that's uh, when it rains, look for rainbows. When it's dark, look for stars. There we go. That's the story of my life. That is, I don't, if, if you live by that, I don't think you're going to be going too far wrong. So, uh, cheers, that's, everybody. And that's happy the first Thursday. time I've seen you with a non Doctor Who mug. I think. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. I've got quite a collection of uh, mugs. I have got quite a collection. Julian Raxel asks if you're well. I think we I think we're all well, aren't we? <laughs> Garbage says, Dan has hacked Simon's webcam. He didn't know he was on. <laughs> I was listen, I was just about to just to just just go off and watch some television and suddenly here I am on Type 40 Live. I think we'd better bring in Ian David Diaz and Queen Charlotte right away too, hadn't we, before they decide to put the telly on instead. Hello. Good evening to both of you. How are Hello. we? You okay, Charlotte? Yeah. I'm going to say, I, I, mine's not Doctor Who. Mine's a pink mug, so I, I'm not representing either. <laughs> it's just pink. It's, as in you've got my cup. One, no, no motto on it. Get a marking. Get a magic marker. Write something on it. It's from Star Wars. You know when Luke Stark was drinking that blue drink? He was drinking the blue drink, the blue milk, the blue milk. I'm drinking Ribena. Wrong franchise, wrong franchise. Although talking about Star Wars, we do have Pod Racing Palpatine in, defecting from that galaxy far, far away. Good to see you again, Palpatine. And Vanessa Law here says, Hi, Charlotte. Hi again, Ian. Hello. Yes, getting around a little. And Alan Collins adds that it's a classic lineup already. I, I, I think you certainly say that I probably do count as classic. Yeah, classic. Yes. I, prefer, I prefer classic to vintage, but I would Rent, retro, retro. That's what I prefer. We're retro. I can, I can see Blue Planet is saying in the chat 14th Doctor Simon Horton. Yeah, bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> and an evening to the panel from Sun Raider Customs. Always good to see you here too, Sun Raider. Yeah, talking about, well, look, talking about me being classic or vintage or whatever else, I think that one thing that keeps me young is, oh, God, I've got to be careful how I say this. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, JT's not on yet. You can say no, we're, we're not live. We're not live. We can edit it. Backtrack a little. Yes, it's, um okay. I believe, oh, God, okay, playing with my toys. There we are. And one such thing, yes, I'm a sucker for a bit of Lego, everybody. There's nothing I like better than hey. to roll around on the floor, messing around with these little blocks of plastic. 
And uh, yeah, I thought you'd all be interested in this because this is Doctor Who Lego. It's that's fantastic. I love that. That's Where's his hat? Oh, yeah, well, there's always he doesn't one. have his hat in, always... that scene, in that scene from The Awakening. He doesn't have his hat, I guess. I guess, yeah. As you've quite rightly said, this is a scene from the 1984 story of The Awakening. They're recreated in glorious plastic bricks by uh, by a Rick at the Brick Pandorica on Twitter. Charlotte, it's incredible what some people can do with Lego, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's and it's a, it's especially though, it's like you can tell they've seen something in the show, and it's that lovely feeling of having to create it again, which is I love, which is all fandoms have it, but I think who fans seem to have that need a little bit more. I like Lego until you step on it with your with your bare feet, and it really hurts. Pod <laughs> <laughs> racing Palpatine, you'll like this one. This is my little Lego that I've got sitting right by my. Uh... There we go. That Luke. sits on my desk. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's that's of course Luke Skywalker from, of course, Revenge of the uh, Jedi. Return, of, Return of the Jedi. I apologise. What thing used to get me about Lego? I I never used to really tread on it, but what I did used to do oh, God, to get, I used to get a really small bit that I was looking for trapped inside the underside of one of the other bits. And I've oh been yes, for it forever, and it would always be stuck in there, and I could never get the side back yep. out again. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, well, I remember I remember being obsessed by the little clear ones that used to make windows out of. I used to love those little clear ones. There was something quite magical about clear Lego bricks. They were, I just oh, loved them. I was into Meccano. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> you're one of the clever kids. So that was a bit, too, a bit too practical for me there, Ian. There was all sorts of things with, with elastic bands and, and uh, screwdrivers. Everything was involved in that. It was too much like hard work. Was yeah, it was. It was. It definitely was. It really was. I mean, I, what I love about all this, if you go and look for Rick at the Brick Pandorica on Twitter, he's not just stuck to the classic. There's lots of stuff that Rick's been working on. Any flavour of Doctor Who that you're into, he's had a crack at it in Lego form. So I can recommend you go over there. We have, uh, we just need a Lego Polly James. Oh, as, uh, as Jane to finish off that set. I couldn't agree more. Julian, well said. And Heidi, Heidi Ho says uh, Derek Brady. I think that's a yes. I think he likes Derek. that. Yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, uh, a bit, it, a bit of Doctor Who Lego. Garbage. Did you guys know if you're missing any Lego pieces, if you email them, they'll send it to you? What? Are you kidding me? Seriously? I have Can I email them and I say I'm missing a Peter Davison? <laughs> I out yet, I don't think. The thing is, I mean, Do Doctor Who and Lego, it probably is a match made in heaven. I think somebody's, somebody's just said this in, in the chat. And they did try it for a little while during the during the Matt Smith era, didn't they, Charlotte? I think there was a, a, a set that came out. Oh, there's Peter always Capaldi. been Lego sets. No, Peter Capaldi, they did like a video game where it was like Lego come to life and Capaldi actually voiced the Lego Doctor Dimensions. in it. Yeah, yes. yeah. But never really, never really it. stuck. Yeah, I think that they put, sort of pulled the license as soon as it happened, really. But it doesn't stop the uh, creative and enterprising Doctor Who fandom. When when does it ever? Yes, uh, Wendology says, yes, Simon, I love the clear window pieces too. And uh, people I want one. I want, I want a little the... clear Lego break. <laughs> yes, as always, with, uh, with the average Doctor Who week, they throw something our way that is official, though, for us to work uh, through and, and talk about. <laughs> your hats. The first thing that I wanted to mention, actually, this time, was a late announcement of, of this. BBC Studios announced the next classic Doctor Who story to be recreated in full animation, no less, yeah. in black and white 
in black and white. Well, you say, Ian, but if, we, if they don't do this, we can't see yeah. them anymore. No, no, I'm, I'm actually upset because they lost it. Stupid idiots. Do you know what I mean? They actually oh. either went over it or lost the actual tape itself. Mm. Ah, BBC. Yeah, it, it does. It, it does. Obviously, it knocks us all that we can't watch this. I mean, there is one episode of Galaxy Four. This is the William Hartnell story from uh, 1965, the autumn of, of 1965. One episode does survive, and that's that's certainly that's only returned in the last ten years, hasn't it, Simon? Until then, it was yeah, very, yeah. I'm trying to think. Very, very recently, um, episode. Which episode is it that came back? Was it number two? Something like three? that. Two, two or three. Two or three I, that I, came I, back. I think it's. Um, I think it's episode three, and there's a couple of minutes from. Episode one that exists too, isn't it? You're right. It's got to be episode three because it ends with the the reels, doesn't it? We finally see the reels, the infamous reels. I have to be honest. I mean, I've seen the episode that, that that's been returned. I have to be honest. It's never really set my world on fire. Um, I don't think it's the greatest. Uh, the Chumbleys never did much for me. I, I, you know, a bit indifferent it's, to Galaxy Four, really. It's inoffensive. Mid sixties yeah. sci-fi, yeah. I suppose. It's uh, people with big ray guns, cute little, cute little robot Charlotte. So done in animation form like this. This is going to make a few people's Christmases, isn't it? Oh yeah, but I, I think they knew though they had the big hitter, didn't they? With God, was it Power of the Daleks? That was the mm -hmm. previous. I think they Power they know that evil's out in two yeah, weeks' time. They know well. they know, so evil. I, I always get some of the Dalek stories. Do they sell well? well? Do they yeah. sell well? Then well, oh, always drop high. Do. They, they must really they, do. They keep, they keep doing these animations. And to be mm. fair, if that's the style they're going for on that front cover, I like that style of animation. Oh, Charlotte, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold your breath on that one. I know, I think that's, that's why I said. If well, that's they, have released, they have released a trailer. There is several oh, teams... They? There are several teams there, two or three different teams, one based in Australia. There's another one who work on, I think they work on uh, reconstructions. I think a couple of them used to work for Cosgrove Hall and, and work on the, um, the restoration team. And there's this team, this this latest one, this Galaxy 4 one, is from the, uh, the uh, team at Big Finish Creative. So this is an arm of the audio drama company that we know them for that now are, are doing the animations head, headed up by gary russell who has spent quite a long time working on animated series so, in australia when he lives so, in australia so he's now working on this so it's definitely not jobs for the boys is it? it's definitely not okay then it's not going to mates of mates no 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 okay fine they're, they're obviously picking the best people for the best sorry not saying anymore well, we, we have a quote here from gary russell who says after a gap of many years it's very exciting to bring this the era of the first Doctor back into the animation world. Galaxy 4 is one of the most traditional of the 1960s Doctor Who stories, and it's been a real honour to work on this alternative version. Uh, well, so, let me yes, just get, what's four. his name, back to do it. What's his name? Who's the guy that played the first Doctor in David the last Bradley. episode? Why don't I just get him back and shoot the whole damn thing? Instead of just, oh, just so well, I, I think I, I, I think as expensive as animation is, I know, I know, making, I know. Making anything in live action is still just that bit more expensive and harder. Well, but I, I, but I, I bet you, I, I bet you, if they think. did do it, it would sell. It would be off the rack, and people would be buying. Buy, I, I bet you. I wouldn't be interested. I, I don't want to see. David Bradley play William Hartnell playing the first Doctor. No, I, I, I'd rather. To be perfectly honest, I'd rather see the telly snaps reconstruction with the soundtrack. I, I, that's what interests me. Is the soundtrack interests me? I find them dull to listen to in isolation. So mm. just give me a good telly snaps recreation. 
I, the animation has never really set my world on fire. And the web of fear animation, the, the web of fear animation is just, it's, oh, yeah. it's awful. Not impressed. Not impressed awful. with that. You I, live in Doctor Who, yeah. don't you? Because not setting your world on fire wasn't John, didn't John Pertwee sing that when he was in the TARDIS? <laughs> Did and then it terrible. blew up. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, do you remember that? <laughs> it must be acknowledged. It, it must be acknowledged that there is a. It is a mixed reception in the live chat that we've got because we are streaming as always live to YouTube and to Facebook, and we have lots and lots of uh, people joining us. And I'd say it's very, very mixed the reception to this. Lots of people saying, "Oh, just wish the animation was better." I guess it's mm -hmm. a budget thing, and you know, it is a budget mm -hmm. thing. They are niche releases. I think we've all got to accept this. Uh, yeah. I personally, I think there is mileage in your idea, idea, Ian. But where do you stand on animations generally, Charlotte? Do they work for you? Have you watched many of these? Do they bring it to life for you? I, I think it really depends on the team because I think that's the issue they've got in general. They've got so many separate teams working on animations, so you don't get a consistency. You might get a really good animation for one story, like the Macatera, for example. I have seen that animation, and I think that's really well done. And it's and Troughton so much of his performance is in his face and i think whenever they can yeah. get that well in the animation they've really done the job whereas other times when it's not quite right with trout and you can see it a lot i've not seen a lot of the first doctor animations to be fair so i haven't got as much of a comparison i just think it really depends and if i i think they should have like one main team and then even if it takes longer i think fans would appreciate the consistency more of just that's the style mm, of the animation, it, it is, and that's what we so used to. Time consuming. There have been Hartnell releases before they, they released The Reign of Terror, that was a partial animation, but that's been quite a long time ago. And that was the guy who worked, who put together that Doctor Who uh, manga style anime short film. And so that was very, very different to this. It was heavily stylized yeah. and full, full animation. Whereas this is more that kind of danger mousey animation where the background some, sometimes danger mouse. <laughs> a lot of the time. But you know, you know, the background is very static. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. Quite a lot. So it's, it's but you know, sophisticated but you do know, Dan, that there's this thing called real, real engine. And, that, and now it's free to everyone. Everyone can download Real Engine. Uh, I don't know if you know what Real Engine is. It's the same the same effects that they use on the Mandalorian, where they don't go to a set. They create it all in the computer. So Real Engine is available to everyone. All it takes is BBC to get Real Engine and uh, get some people in mocap suits. And oh. the animations, you can do it much more faster than... <laughs> than Thing that right is, in, the yeah. version of that is what's going on mm. with the with the team working on these releases in Australia, right. isn't it, Charlotte? That Web of Fear one that you were talking yeah. about, Simon. So they are they are experimenting with that, but I think mm. the money. I think that it is still relatively expensive. I don't think it's cost prohibitive, but it's relatively expensive. Um, so they they're only doing one episode at a time with that. Now, what I'm saying is that it's it's expensive to hire. Yeah, you do pay to hire the actors and the, the mocap studio, whatever. But creating uh, the environments in in Real Engine doesn't cost you anything. It's 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 mostly free, kind of. If you can, use, there's lots of stuff to use there. But anyway, I don't know. Yeah. It just sounded like a good idea while it came out of my mouth. Maybe yeah, it's not a good idea. It is a good idea. <laughs> I don't know. They, mm? Here's the thing: they could get that tech you're talking about, but like yeah. the Web of Fear. You can mm. see that they really don't understand how to use it yet. Ah, yeah, like, I see. When you when you, when you mm. see Troughton. You can tell they've got somebody to do the motions, and it's right. like I was saying, I was saying with his facial animations, mm -hmm. and this is where they're gonna. I think they're gonna struggle to do it with mocap 
because those doctors, you're never going to recreate that performance again. Yeah, it's the true. actors in those roles. They do have working on the other team, the team that's that's worked on the evil of the Daleks. They've got a guy called Nick Scovel. Or, I'm sorry, Nick, if I'm pronouncing your name incorrectly. And he is able to to mimic Patrick Troughton's body language really, really well. And they kind yeah. of rotoscope him quite a lot, Simon. Have you ever seen yeah. those? Yeah, yeah. It's Nick Scovel. Oh, is it Scovel. Nick Scovel? Scovel? Scovel. Uh, he did, um, he's played uh, Troughton in um, some some uh, stage plays, which I watched. Yeah. Um, was it the Hyde Fundraisers? Was that who did it? That's right. Um, it's very done physically yeah, they, they did either of the Daleks, Daleks Master Plan. Um, I think I saw, yeah, I saw Daleks Master Plan on stage. Very ambitious, really good. Nick Scovell, that's his name. That's his comeback to me. That's how you pronounce it. Um, I, 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 but Charlotte's right. You can tell that, that it's just there's something not right about it. I mean, I remember that, that, that there's poor old um, uh, Nick Courtney stands there in his arms and just shaking like this the whole time. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I think, I think. My personal feeling is, if you're going to do animation, you've got to throw some some yeah. serious money at it. Money at it, it. Really good. or yeah. don't just don't do it well, and stick with the telly telly snap reconstructions. Mm. But it, you know, it's all about scene. longer thinking. Cha ching! It's just yeah, I love the, I love the telly snaps. I could I'm fine watching telly snaps. But since we've gone down this particular rabbit hole, I completely agree with you about this. I I appreciate I appreciate the uh, the science behind this as you were explaining it. It is really exciting. Mm. But the fact is, kind of like you said, Charlotte, it isn't there yet. These releases are being sold as prestige event titles that we should all collectors' know items, that I guess. Are filling a gap in our collection, and that gap in the narrative, in the entire narrative story of Doctor Who. And so, I would rather they to fill those gaps. They use mm. technology that they know they can use completely, yes. rather than something experimental. So, I would rather have. I would rather Real have animation. something. I would rather have this. Than mm. than the kind of than the halfway house than animation and the mocap thing as, as Charlotte was you were explaining that they don't really know how to use yet. I, I think this was a much more formidable way of telling the story. Bloody BBC, right? They lose the Doctor Doctor Who episodes, but yet they still got black and white minstrel show uh, on tape. You know what I mean? It's just it's ridiculous, isn't it? Absolutely ridiculous. There's Idiot. no justice in the world. What are you? What are you implying, Ian? Don't know. <laughs> oh, you got the priorities wrong. Uh, just to, I'm, just, I'm just going to go back to, to a point Richard Brooks made earlier on, way back in the yes. chat. Yes, Richard Brooks, they did use one of the Dravin's guns from Galaxy 4 in Genesis of the Daleks. They um, did, yeah. That's yeah, in there. It's, oh, I think it's the, yeah, it's the yeah. Thal guns, isn't it? The Thal guns. That's with right. The, with, the green, with the green plastic, plastic perspex um, end. Yeah, they, they reappeared in... Um, all those years later in Genesis the Daleks, where are those guns now? Uh, but anyway. <laughs> so, Richard... yeah, Galaxy 4 is released in November, just before the, the anniversary that's coming out. It includes the, uh, the remastered surviving original episode three and the surviving clip from episode one that we talked about and telesnap reconstructions. For the people who aren't so keen on the animation, there are proper telesnap reconstructions on there of episodes one, two, and four, along with audio commentaries, the photo gallery production subtitles, all that stuff. But most exciting of all, there's a brand new making of documentary by Chris Chapman, hosted by Toby Haydock, I think. So that's going to be good. That's going to be thorough. That's going to be absorbent. And for the people who like that little bit extra packaging in their lives, there's the Steelbook Edition 2 for the Blu-ray with alternative artwork, which I'm still not, I'm not keen on these. They could have done better. Look at that. That's rubbish. 
That's I have to agree terrible with. of heart, though. That's rubbish. Look yeah. at the look at the hair. It looks like he's wearing a rock or something on his head. What is that, that all is about? Awful. Oh, the, awful. The, the cover of the regular the, the regular edition seat DVD. That's much yeah. better. Way, it way is better. I have yeah. to agree, but you know, I generally I I'm all for these things being released, and uh, you know, eventually we will get them all. I, I expect that two or three will probably come out next year via all these different teams. But and as with Do- all things to do with Doctor Who, Simon, you know, you can't please all the people all the time, well, can you? Can't. you? And, but but am, am I the only one? Am I the only one that's left kind of thinking that this is this is fine? But I, I'm not buying these. I'm not buying these standalones because I know eventually these are going to come out on a box set, a season it's box true. set. So yeah, I, I, why I would I suspect, buy it? I suspect that with this line of products, uh, it, yeah. that there is a certain degree of when when we invest in these, we are investing in the entire line of Doctor Who products from BBC Studios, and that by by us buying these releases, we kind of ensure the continuation of the of all the Blu-ray range, including the box sets, is my gut feeling. I don't know that. I mean, maybe when I'd like to get Richard Molesworth back on the show because he's always very forthcoming, tells us whatever he can. I'd love to know how much of a crossover there is there because that, to me, that would make financial sense that, that all these releases support one another. But mm-hmm. what, what are your feelings about, about this, Charlotte? I mean, you know, because all these stories, they are undoubtedly going to come out again. And But then again, we could be waiting for 4K stories as well. I mean... Yeah, but I, I, do they milk? I, do they milk us? <laughs> oh God, yes, they always do. Though it's not, it's not like it's new that the BBC are milking the fan base. Um, but I do <laughs> think, I do think it's good for, for fans like me who who are still trying to yes. watch catch up on classic because it's there, it's available. If we want to watch it, we can watch it. Because yeah. going back through classic, I've really have fallen in love with Trouton's Doctor. Like, there's a few other classic doctors I really like, oh but I, I seem to. We hear this over and over again. And it's, we do. And I and it's and I love the and and I could have not had that if, if they didn't have these animations. Yeah. I would have yeah, just had enough. very spotty episodes to watch of his. And it's lovely yeah. to still have these stories in some fashion. Yeah. So it, and it's, like said, it's, it's wonderful that that uh, Hartnell is the subject of this new one, isn't it? Because you know these you see a still from Galaxy Four and. For all that we can tell, that these things were apparently shot, they were shot in the studio, everybody. But <laughs> that's an no, alien that's world, location, and, <laughs> and these are wonderful <laughs> creations. And I, I just, oh, I, I just love it all. I, I, what kind of what Gary was saying about the, the fact that it is, it's very kind of lost in space, and it's, it's a little bit of Irwin Allen, but yeah. shot in Lime Grove at that point. I think they were still in Lime Grove. And uh, it's all part of the charm of it. But I love the fact that we get these alternatives too. I love the fact that we can watch them in black and white or colour. I always go for the black and white myself, but I, I love the fact that black and whites exist. We've got a Facebook user here says, I wish they would include a four print of the telesnaps on the record releases of the missing stories to make it easy to follow. I'm surprised yeah, they don't point. do that, Facebook user. You have to, yes, so for the people out there who are watching on Facebook, you have to let stream let StreamYard know who you are, and then StreamYard can tell us who you are too. But yeah, while I remember, if you are watching, just there's quite a lot of people watching all over the platforms this evening, so please Ooh. like the video in advance. You're clearly enjoying it, so are we. Like the video, subscribe to the channel if you'd like some more. 
and yes, yeah, share us along to the other Hoovians in your life, or you know, people you like, people you don't, whatever. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get something out of, out of a couple of those of us here on Type 40 Live. Who else? We've got a few more comments coming coming thick and and fast. There's one here I wanted to wanted to read out. We've got uh, yeah, my good friend. Where is he? It's jumped again. Adam O'Brien. The, uh, the lethal mullet from Down Under says, hello, hello, hello. Good to see you, Adam. When are you coming back on Type 40? That's what we want to know. Uh, forget about Bad Wolf. That's a bad logo. We've gone for we about know. two weeks before somebody mentions the logo. <laughs> that has to be a record, Darren M. Thanks for joining us this evening, my friend. We, we need a you. counter. We need like a little counter. <laughs> <How many> <laughs> <time>? <laughs> we agree with you, by the way, Darren. We do agree. <laughs> a, swear, a swear box, Charlotte. <laughs> That's a good idea oh. of Sam's. Sam I get that. says, I always buy the DVDs of the animations and will wait for the box sets for the Blu-rays. That makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. I can see that. Economical sense. Hold something back for the future there, Simon, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Edwards says, Tomb and the Invasion will do me. Uh, well, yeah, I think they do for anybody. Wonderful stories, both of them. I think that was, was, that was the first one they animated, wasn't it? The Invasion? I think that was the, the very invasion. first one. I think it's still the best one. I hate to say yeah, this, but they, they had a little bit more money to play with. But yeah, I'll, I'll be there. That's going to get pre-ordered here. Have a look at that, and I'll probably watch it over, over the Christmas period because, uh, you know, in lieu of... Uh, well, it, they, they don't make Wallace and Gromit animations anymore, do they? And Julia Donaldson, has she got... They used to. Out? So yeah, it's mm. almost almost like having a new Raymond Briggs every year if they're going to keep. Yeah, it, it was it was it was something I looked forward to every Christmas. Now they don't do it, so maybe it's too uh, problematic. Who knows? Garbage uh, <laughs> says watching in the chat. I think every every time someone mentions the logo, Ian should have a big gulp of alcohol. We want yeah, well, if I can garbage. get some. Well, well, we the, the problem sober. is I don't drink alcohol, so I drink. So, I've just finished <laughs> my Robina, so but yeah, finished it. So. <laughs> and Alan Collins reminds us that the writer of Galaxy Four, William Ems, also wrote for Crossroads, Emergency he War did. Ten, Red Cap, yeah. Callan, and Ace of Wands. That's quite a variety of shows. I, I'm really surprised people remember Ace of Wands because Ace yeah, of Wands is a very old show. I've never seen it. Have you uh, never seen it? You probably no, weren't born. No. No, it's on, yeah. No. Somebody, else mentioned, somebody else mentioned in the chat earlier on as well that, yeah, when William Ems wrote it, it was written for um, Ian and Barbara and, and Vicky. Um, and that's why Stephen gets such a rough, a, a raw deal in, in, in Galaxy 4 because he, he just he gets dished out a few of Barbara's lines, I think. Wow. We have a question here from Blue Planet who asks, does anyone know what the very first Doctor yes. Who DVD ever released was? I yes. think that you could make an educated guess on that even if you didn't know. I know this. Simon clearly knows this. Yeah. Do you know this, Charlotte? Ian, do you know no. what really might have been? <laughs> There's kind of two I answers. You, to I think you probably do. I think you could probably work it out. There's sort of, there's sort of two Probably answers. a Tom Baker one, isn't it? No, it wasn't. No. F five, five, five Doctors. Five Doctors. Five Doctors. Oh. But the very, first, the very first regular release, that was kind of a special edition thing that they released to, to sort of um, test the water. Um, and the first one that they actually officially then released as the start of the line. Does anybody want to know what that one was? Anybody remember? That was Robots of Death, wasn't it? Robots of Death, absolutely. Yay, yeah. Robots of Death. death. That's a great one. One of the best. What a, what a fantastic story to start. I used to have five doctors on VHS. I used to. I don't know where it's probably, I probably dumped it somewhere. It's brilliant. <laughs> I've been paying attention after all, everybody. Okay, back to <laughs> back to the 21st century and the future of Doctor Who, the uh, the near future of Doctor Who, just in case. 
I never get tired of saying this. So since the announcement of the departure yeah. of Chris Chibnall no, and Whitaker, yes, they're going. Since the <laughs> announcement of the departure of these two, absolute clarity. I mean, doesn't Chris look as though he's about to throw up there? This thing that's his normal expression. I've not seen him in an interview. <laughs> I'm sure he's a lovely bloke. Uh, okay, yes. So uh, a few weeks ago, we found out that yes, the the miracle has happened. The end. The nightmare is nearly over, and they are leaving. So yeah, euphoria was the general reaction, and as always with Doctor Who fans, speculation begins. It all starts to churn. It's quite natural that we focus on who, who will be the next Doctor, particularly now in these times where absolutely everything has been so politicised. But of course, before we get there, there's the question of the new showrunner too. So that's all wrapped up. It's like an enigma wrapped up inside a question. What's the quote from JFK? How does that go? You know how it all is. It's a lot like that. But... That doesn't stop us from speculating about who could be the next Doctor. And it's not just us that are speculating, is it, Charlotte? It's other Doctors are speculating about it too. So Matt Smith this week, <laughs> Matt Smith, he's been out doing the rounds promoting his new movie, Last Night in Soho, that new Edgar Wright film that's coming out. And he has put forward his own candidate to be the next Doctor, somebody that he wants to back. So who is this, Charlotte? And what do you think about the prospects for Reese Ifans, oh, doctor. Reese. I was going to say I don't know the actor, but just he has a good look. I'll say that as as a doctor. Mm. You put him in like scruffy clothes. I think he'd be an interesting doctor. Just <laughs> as a is he Welsh? He's he Welsh and well remembered. Mm. I'm yeah. going to quote here from from Matt Smith, who, uh, as you see there, gives him the thumbs up. It says, uh, "You know who I think would be a brilliant Doctor Who? Reese Ifans." He said, "Reese would be so sort of." Cool. But he's 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 he's. He says, I don't know if we've had a Welshman yet, but I'm back. Yeah, but he's, he's stars in a lot of American stuff. Last thing I saw him in was um, Elementary. He played um, Sherlock Holmes's brother. So he does a lot of American stuff. And he's, he's I think he's kind of, he's, I think he's sold there. You know what I mean? He's, he's got an agent and the agent always gets him work, wherever it be TV shows or films. So it'd be really hard to get him. He, he, he's, he's known as a movie movie actor, if you know what I mean. He's, he's done some TV, but yeah. He's 54 years old now, Ian. Mm. So this is a man Wow, I'm older than him. Well. Bloody hell. Well into, <clears throat> he's well into middle age. Come to fame mm. first time in a film. Well, yeah, one of his earliest roles, I think, was Twin Town, which was that kind of Welsh train yep. spotting movie. And was very he? quickly, he was in Notting Hill. Yes, break. he was. Mm -hmm. Was it? Was he? Was he? Was he in Four Weddings as well? Was he the one in? Or is no. it Notting Hill? I'm thinking of. Maybe not in Hill. Not in Hill. The best okay. thing that I've ever seen him in was a film with Daniel Craig from 2004 called Enduring Love, where he played a man who was a kind of stalker. Uh, he was stalking Daniel Craig. Oh yeah, I think I've seen film. that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wonderful thriller. He's brilliant in it. I think he'd be a fantastic Doctor. I've I... not seen it, seen him in Elementary, but I've seen him play a, a play really eccentric parts, a really yeah. grounded parts. I... I, I think the only thing I've actually seen him in is Notting Hill, and that's when he spends five minutes running around in his underpants. Yeah, uh, 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 yeah, yeah. It's, 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 We've all it's, been there. We've all having been said there. that, Peter Davison, his for his first role on television was running around in underpants in uh, in the Tomorrow People. So, so you know, maybe um, it's interesting as well. Blue Planet says he's he's ginger. Finally, the Doctor will be able to say I'm ginger. So, so, so well, he's more blonde. He's more blonde now than ginger, isn't he? So, <laughs> I mean, this suggestion from Matt Smith. One could say it's rather naive because, of course, the one, the uh, well, the three things against uh, Paul Reese is that he's uh, you know, he's male, he's white, and he's straight. So it's quite unlikely the BBC are going to go for it. But the fact is, Reese is a great actor. 
don't know about you, Dan. I just thought, I saw this, was it this morning or yesterday I saw this from Matt? And I thought it was a bit of a backhanded compliment to say, I don't think we've ever had a Welsh doctor, have we? What, that, that's, that's a good, that's, that's the uh, criteria for Welsh. It just yeah, goes to just... show, I mean, I didn't, I haven't actually heard the tone of voice in which Matt said that, but it just goes to show that the conversation around this part is all about identity at the moment, and it bores the pants off me. It really does. Do you know what? I know someone that knows Matt, and um, as I said, uh, he told me, but it's just what he said. It's not what I'm saying. He said that Matt is not, is totally against what they did to Doctor Who. Oh, no, he's third, shown third it. One. Do not totally he, against it. He thinks it's it, he thinks they wrecked the show. Yeah, he thinks they wrecked in, the show. In a stream, he was in a stream yeah. with Billy Piper. And right. I, she she brought up the special the the Chris New Year's Day special yeah, yeah. aired yet. And she said, Oh, why isn't it at Christmas? Mm. And he went, I don't know, <laughs> it's at New Year's, but this is the next comment. He said, They've downgraded it. And he said ah. that on the stream. So he's 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 he sneakily yeah. sort of he basically he's not happy. reversed what Jodie said when she said she had an upgrade. Yeah. So he reversed it back to her, which yeah. is good. Very good. So, yeah. Yeah. Both he and Billy Piper, you could see it in their eyes. They were, I mean, Billy doesn't seem very up on this at all, but you know, she's got a successful career and a family to raise. So I don't suppose you can blame her. But Matt Smith, you you could tell he was. I think he was throwing throwing shade. Is that the right phrase, Charlotte? As a resident young person. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think Matt is one of the like he's one of these actors that obviously they all have to play the game a little bit, don't they? They have yeah. to be careful. No, they, they have to play the game totally. It's not a yeah. little bit. They have to play it. So, Same thing with uh, uh, Dave. Sorry, um, no, sorry. Uh, 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 David Tennant. David Tennant is is conflicted because he's friends with Jodie and he's friends with um, Chibnall. So he's he's kind of he doesn't know what to say. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, the, sorry, the, sorry, the Charlotte, go ahead. It's all right. Mm. The difference is Tennant has shown his politics plenty since he's left the role. Mm -hmm. Matt has never really talked about politics. He's I yeah. don't he's not known for that. And he's very sort of he tends to he comes across to me as a bit old fashioned that he'll just talk about the work work. He'll just yeah. promote what he has to and he won't tell you his politics. So uh, it yeah. makes sense that he they, would actually try suggest to... this fella. Mm -hmm. They tried to put him on the spot this week on that press junket, didn't they? Did you see that footage of him being interviewed with... Uh, yeah, they tried, uh, didn't they? And he didn't yeah, they, play ball. They really them. did. They, what they, did he they, say? He said as little as he possibly could get away with it, in short. <laughs> well, he should just... With, like, females, because of the film, something to do with females in films, and he sort of gave a very, like I said, very carefully worded... That's what Matt does in interviews. He's very clever how he words things. <laughs> Vanessa Law, I think she's been watching that. She's watching in the chat too. She said you should have seen him in an interview with the girl from the movie when they were talking about the patriarchy. Yes, they went into all that conversation. And he just looked down at his shoes. Really? Flicked his, flicked his hair around a little and looked across at her and said, well, it's hard to add anything to what she was saying. <laughs> oh, that's diplomatic. That's yeah. very diplomatic. Yeah, he knows which side his bread's buttered, as my as my nan That's used right. to say. Uh, what <laughs> <Yeah>. else? <laughs> his bread's well so... buttered, as my dad used to say. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. Got another suggestion here, talking about casting people regionally. Uh, Adam O'Brien from Down Under says, "Hey, mate, how you going?" Uh, the mullet says hello. Eric Banner for Doctor Who. I'd watch that. I think Eric Banner's a fantastic actor. He is a good actor, but he's he's really kind of beefy, isn't he? He's kind of. He is. We've never had. Isn't we've it? never had a beefy doctor. Well, you could. No, say we Colin haven't. 
Colin's quite mm. well. He was quite beefy. He's still he's lost a little timber, but he's still quite beefy. Uh, no, go what Colin? <laughs> Colin, what he now? He wasn't you mean? beefy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's beefy now. <laughs> but no, I don't know. Reese would make a good Reese would make a good doctor. I agree with Matt. Reese would make a really good doctor. He's quite intense as an actor. So he he he'd be really good, but he's too he's a movie he's a movie actor, and he'll probably never bow to uh, the BBC. But like you said, he's been in elementary, and he's getting towards the yeah. But that's maybe, but maybe Ian, maybe maybe a nice a nice. Hold on, let's have a look. No, a nice little regular job backfilling in in Wales potentially. That's true, but let's look at the wage. Let's look at the wage. Let's let's look at the wage section here. Hollywood, BBC, <laughs> <laughs> BBC, Hollywood. <laughs> so that's probably the yeah, yeah. actors, other actors were spoken about the salary on Doctor Who before, and they often <laughs> said the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think he's a wonderful actor. He's very he eccentric. Is. He's capable of doing mm. the action stuff too. He's aging yes. very, very well. And... Do you know who would make a good Doctor? I just thought because oh. I was thinking Reese is um, the guy who plays Vision. Uh, he's Paul British, isn't oh, he? Yeah. Paul Bettany. He'd be really good. He's got that English thing about him, isn't he? He's It'd very similar. He's very similar. He's got similar energy to Reese, yeah. hasn't he, Charlotte? Yes. Yeah, no, and and I've sort of I think I said this on the on the Facebook page. I think for contrast, I want to see almost like a not a dark doctor next, because the doctor should never be completely dark. But somebody who's got a bit of edge. Somebody, somebody who can intense. sort of get a bit of intense and maybe scare you a little bit. And that's, that's a bit racist of doctor. you saying he shouldn't be dark. What's going on? Oh, you, know <laughs> <what> I, <laughs> you know what I think about the doctor? I think, I think, Who? I, I think Paddington Bear. Because he's got a hat. He's that's a bit of racist. A bear? <laughs> I'm going for Paddington Bear for the doctor. Paddington that's Bear. Magic. Brilliant. Have to swat himself up, have a fucking shave. Uh, if you <laughs> Oh God! Let's see what people are saying in the chat because yeah, I th yeah I think this is a good suggestion. Certainly better than a lot that we've had. He is filming the Game of Thrones prequel with Matt Smith at the mm, moment. That's that's yes. kind of how they bonded, I think, which is which is lovely. Yeah, Adam yeah. Adam O'Brien uh, agrees with you. Uh, Adam O'Brien agrees with you. Paul Bettany would be great. Yeah, he's a good actor Paul, as well. Paul, there, wonderful actor again. He's just done a bit of telly on One Division, hasn't he? Uh, mm. Sun Raider Custom says the Rock for Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be hilarious, wouldn't it? Absolutely hilarious. Yes. Can, can you can you smell what the doctor's got cooking? Uh, you've probably heard that uh, Simon Horton is a big fan of, of uh, this candidate for the doctor, aren't you, Simon? Ben. Yes. Ben Whishaw. Ben Whishaw. Well done, Blue Planet. Seriously, I'd love to see Paddington Bear as a doctor, but Ben Whishaw. Absolutely, that's who I, I would give my eye teeth to see Ben Whishaw as the who doctor. Who cares? As long as Jodie's not there. Um, I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> would give you a very hard stare. You're quite right. And, yeah. and he's got the marmalade sandwiches as well. So he we has. Can the jelly babies with marmalade. Would you My like marmalade a marmalade sandwich? sandwich? It's all there. It's just, just Absolutely. A Absolutely. He's there. I did always wonder about Paddington's pockets because, you know, they, to how was all those sandwiches? They They're very deep were. pockets. Very voluminous pockets, as Terence Dix used to say. Big Wait a sec! Didn't didn't um didn't Ben Whishaw voice Pad Paddington in the movie? Oh, I knew it should get there in the end. I oh, knew it. Yeah. <laughs> it's all tying together, isn't it? He's in Paddington Bear. Ben's in Paddington Bear. 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 Paddington Bear.
then yes, I would sign the Michael Horn. He was a wonderful actor, wasn't he? He'd have been a delightful doctor when you when you look back at those wonderful old character actors from the past, people who never got their shot. Yeah, I think he's I think he's definitely one of them. I mean, I think a lot about yeah, that homely voice, didn't he, Dan? Homely, really homely voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he did, and and it was a very. I think that everything that you saw him in, even though he was mm. a he was quite a quite a posh man, wasn't he? He was. I think he, he he never had a part, the kind of part that he would always play. He would play against types sometimes, and I think mm. that uh, I don't think they do that often enough with with. Uh, he used to do all the voices, there. right, in Paddington. He used yeah, to do all the voices, voice. didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. In Paddington, voluminous pockets. And we mustn't forget that, that um, Peter, the 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 twelfth Doctor played uh, Mr. Brown in the movie. So there you go. There you go. So it's all tied yeah. together. And it's all, it's all right. coming together. You know <laughs> I forgot about that, but it, it would appear that the, the uh, Paddington situation, that that is, it's too <laughs> close to it together to be a coincidence. It's only a matter of time before these universes remember, really, folks, do, really do collide. Remember, folks, you saw it here first. Paddington Bear for the Doctor. <laughs> Crippling sure. Doubloon reminds us or speculates, I don't think I've ever heard this before, oh. wasn't Michael Horden off of the part of the Doctor in 66? Was he signed? I don't know, maybe. I don't know. I tell you what I'm going to do, Crippling, I'm going to look into that for next week. I'm going to report back next week on that because I've not heard that before. So I'm going to do a little bit of research onto that. Let's see if I can find the answer for that mm. next week. Tune in. Another Aussie suggestion here from Adam O'Brien. Can you oh. see the pattern here? We've got Guy, Guy, Guy Pearce. I love Guy Pearce. He's all right. He's a good actor, Guy Pearce. Uh, really uh, good actor. Fine actor. I mean, I've I've never mm. particularly liked him, but uh, I think it's mm. probably because he uh, stole away Jane when he was on Neighbours. I don't think I've ever forgiven. <laughs> Some of us have got long memories, Charlotte. You see, it was 1989, <laughs> but I, I I'll not forget that anytime soon. <laughs> At least I get suggest- the reference for once. Yeah. <laughs> You, you've got to, oh, look at this one, Dan. You've got to bring this up. The classic 80s fanboy says, now nah, Rupert would give Paddington a run for his money. Rupert the Bear, now come on. Rupert the Bear for the Time Lord. I Rupert think if the you Time took, Lord. If you took Rupert's trousers and Paddington's hat and coat, you have got a doctor there. You have. I mean, I have to. I, I'm, I, for anybody that has very, very, very well, long Sylvester memory, McCoy, many, many years ago, Dan, you might even remember this. Back in 1989, 1990, I actually made a video called Rupert the Time Lord. And it was a version of Kinder with Rupert the Bear as playing the Doctor. And it's and, and it's still out there. You, you, I, I don't know. I don't think it's on YouTube. It's not quite made it to YouTube yet. So, so yeah, we... we we actually did it. And I'm not kidding. This is not, this is not silly. We actually made no, a this, video. This is completely... sad, it's, man. It's news to me. <laughs> it's, I remember that there was a comic strip that used to run in your fanzine. Yeah, illustrated and written by... Was it Anna Higgins? Anna Higgins, if you're watching, Anna. Yeah. I know that she does watch sometimes. So, hello, Anna. I remember your Rupert strips very well. So, you turned that into a, into a film. We turned it into a movie. We turned it into a movie. A 20-minute version of, of Kinder with Rupert. And Bill Badger was one of the companions. And uh, wow. we made... I'm not kidding you with any of this. <laughs> this is what we... Believe, us, believe me, this is what we did in the 80s. We had no lives. Uh, we, we got a sock. Um, we got a sock that t- and turned it into a, a Mara uh, snake. For the um, <laughs> it, it's all out there. Maybe, I'll, maybe if you're very good, maybe I'll get a bit of a, a sneak peek. I'll, well, I'll, I'm going to be very bad then. 
Talking about the eccentrically dressed, I wanted to take a look at this piece of new merchandise that's, that's on the way. We're looking at the uh, in the figurines area this time. Here we and go. I wanted to know what you would think of, of this, Simon. This is uh, 13 and a half inches of Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> Stand by what did he say? <laughs> 13 and a half inches of doc a pure Doctor Who joy to stick on your half. This is uh, the Tom Baker. This is the new Tom Baker Ew. model, full length Excellent. model. Excellent. There, I mean, that is that the Doctor is, Who uh, pose. Yeah, fantastic. So, so this is taken from the City of Death publicity yeah. pictures. I think we've probably all seen yeah. over and over again. This yeah. is brand new, the fourth Doctor figure, thirteen and a half inches, a limited edition, handcrafted from metallic resin. On the way, it comes with a uh, 16 page magazine and wow. full details of uh, all the fourth doctor's adventures and all those kind of things that you get in these things. So, yeah, I mean, we've had this before issued as a bust. I was on the rabbi from another planet show earlier on, and he's got the three quarter length version of this. But now, this is full length rabbi. If you are watching, it does exist, it is on the way. So, yeah, I was wondering that these are these rocking at about 200 quid, but. It's it's the kind of thing. See, if I was to buy something like this, I would only ever buy one of them, Simon. Which doctor would you choose? It probably would be Tom Baker. Of course, it would be Tom. Uh, it's it's beautiful. It's it's the face. I'm just not sure about the face and the hair. It's absolutely magnificent, apart from the face and the hair. Is am I the only one that kind of thinks the face and the hair isn't quite right? Am I just being picky? I'm sorry. I know you can't see it so small. If you can zoom into his face, we'll we'll be able to. Uh, can you zoom in? I Dan? think it would no. no, I can't I can't zoom in um, more than that. I might be able to. Hold on, let's let's Do you know what look. it could be? I think they made him look older than he actually was. Yeah, maybe you're right, Charlotte. He I, looks I a don't... bit like like you said, like yeah. Yeah, it does look a bit strange, doesn't he? The I agree. Like yeah. Helmet. We're back to the William Hartnell hair on the back of Galaxy Four. It looks like a kind of helmet rather than I, I don't know. It's just and he, he looks like he's dead behind the... Do you know what I mean? He it's got, like, not real, now Simon. <laughs> now you've said that. Now you've said that, he looks a bit boss-eyed. He does a bit. Yeah. He does a bit, yeah, he does a bit. Kind of he looks K-lied. He probably to was, to be fair, in City of Death, filming in Paris with Lala Wood, he probably was K-lied. Uh, it's, it's, it's nice, though. I wouldn't mind having nice. one of them. Yeah, I wouldn't mind having one of them. It's nice. Nice to stick on your wall and or on a shelf or something. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's quite it nice. We're getting towards the time of year where these more deluxe items are starting to appear. And Christmas. When they, when they list them, yeah, for, for release, obviously it's months in advance. And you can often buy these in uh, in what, what in, installments. That's the word I'm looking for, in mm -hmm. installments. So you put down around 70 quid and then there's, say, five more payments that take you up to the total. So uh, whilst it's a, you know it's too uh, it's too steep for my pockets, not when there's Blu-rays and other things to come out, but you know I haven't ruled out buying one of these eventually. I mean, would it be Tom or would it be Peter? I I don't know, but I love how authentic the scarf is. The colours, the scarf's the, fantastic. The colours, classic eighty fanboy says that as well, and it is the scarf beautiful. Mm, yeah, it's so nice. I'm a, put me down as as a fan. Let's see what people say in the chat. Has anybody been collecting these in the chat, or anybody got them on pre-order? Scarf looks great, says the classic 80s fanboy. Yes, you're right. Uh, Mega uh, Meg Neurobyte adds that uh, even character options and Eagle Moss do better likenesses than Hero Collector. Do they? I'll take your word for it. Actually, Mega Neurobyte is somewhat of an expert on these things. Uh, Adam O'Brien simply adds Tom Baker. Shada. Shada. And uh, Julian Raxel reminds us that that is so yes. era, Tom, where they used to have to pull him out of the pub 
And Julie, uh, push I think that's, the that's why I looked. That's why. Yeah, I was going to say. True to life. True to life, yeah. folks. That's how this works. <laughs> yes, maybe that's the one thing that's missing from from this is he should have a pointer in the one hand, maybe a fag on the go. Well, also, Chris, I can see Chris Persia says he's got uh, he's got hat hair, and you're right, actually. Chris, he has. He has. He has got hat hair. Yes. Uh, David, yeah. David Mullins joining us, also watching along on YouTube, and says, Eagle Moss are usually poor on human likenesses. Are they, though? I, are saw they? Their, I saw their Roger Delgado, and that looked really good. And their John Pertwee, the John Pertwee where he's got his hands on his hips, that was yeah, that looked that quite looked good to perfect me. to me. But uh, if you actually own one, obviously you probably do know better because the prototypes. Uh, on Comics says it that perfectly there. I like the scarf and the pose. Yeah, the scarf and the pose are, are a Doctor Who pose, bad. isn't it? It's the ultimate Tom Baker pose, and that's one of the pictures that we see more <laughs> often than not. So, yeah, we, we've got this much better Tom than Baker that. Brilliant. The, so, they, they are expanding it to Hero Collector, also offering a box set of the Doctor's most. Uh, oh, wow. I like the Matt Smith way. one. Oh, no, but that looks horrible as Matt Smith. I like it. It's good. That's he also looks, on the he's way. He's got a massive forehead. His forehead wasn't that big. It was. Uh, uh, <laughs> the Chris Eccleston one is knockout. I love the Chris Eccleston. Charlotte gets so protective of Matt, don't you? Well, he had a big chin. <laughs> I won't deny that. He had a big chin. For me, he didn't have a big forehead. Um, I think there's, all of those poses, well, with the exception of the one on the far right, the other four, I think, are... Oh, no, there's actually, four I can see what you mean about there. Matt. But the body there's language is so perfect. The body language of Chris Eccleston, yeah, David Tennant, in particular, those are poses that they struck all the time and on screen. Peter. The, the Capaldi one was taken yeah. from a publicity yeah. photo, but it's still very, very nice. So those are all mm. coming from the same range. And well, who's the one at the end then? No idea, know. but it says they're all the hand-painted hand with incredible detail and a great gift for Doctor Who fans. So yeah, all the gifts. Nice. I, I like them. I like them. Yeah, yeah, it's, mm. it's just a nice nice thing to have. I mean, there, maybe there are people out there who do buy them all, and, and I can see why if there's a range to commit to, that would probably be a nice one. Apart from the last one at the end. I've no, no idea who that was. No so idea at all. Says, the Jodie figure has more articulation than the real thing. You said that, not us. <laughs> <laughs> has, the, oh. has the same facial expression, though. Yeah. <laughs> you, could, you could be right. People are bold away. Yes, Jonathan Cox says, the doctor, the doctor. And uh, yeah, other people also have no idea who the other figure was. So, yeah. write, <laughs> write, write and ask Eagle Moss, see if they know. Uh, Vanessa says, it's not that bad, Charlotte. I, She's a fellow I, Matt Smith. I know, you're my fellow Matt girl, but I, I, I just... I, 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 I agree. It's all right. It doesn't it's work right. for me either. It looks well, I silly. I think it works. It works. Megan Eurobyte says that Eccleston, the Ninth Doctor, is the only one that looks bang on, looks completely yeah. right. Yeah. And uh, Alan Collins asks a question here. It's probably quite a big question. He asks, I wonder what the very first piece of Doctor Who merchandise was. I did know this. Like, was it the original paperback on the green door label of um, the Doctor uh, Who? That's, this is another poser for me for next week, isn't it? Um, I think it might have been the, the Doctor Who in an exciting adventure with the Daleks, uh, the Frederick Muller hardback. That might have been the very... Whoa! Can I come back to on that one next week? Looks like you'll have to. A line drawing on the cover. And it was way before the Dalek playset, Daniel yeah, Edwards. Way that's, a good, that. that's a good point. But it would have been way, way, way before that. Mm. Uh, costumes and whatever else. But yeah, there was. I know there was a... Um, 
a big wave of it. There was nothing, and then it all sort of started to tumble out. So it'd probably be hard to identify. Yeah, but speaking speaking part. of nostalgia, I think that the time has come, everybody, to uh, hurtle back through time, to press the fast the fast return switch, and for Simon to open the 500-year diary so we can visit all our yesterdays in the On This Day segment. What do you think, Simon? Are we ready, everybody? And I should add, yes, JT, he's not here tonight. Yay! He hasn't stayed away just to avoid this section. He he's, has. On the, he's hurtling down the motorway like Don and Noble in his spinning box at the moment. He's been on a top-secret mission and he did catch sight of the brand new Doctor Who annual. He messaged me earlier on to say it was crap and to save your $7.99. He should be back next week if he's not back later on. Yes. Cue the, cue the little sting. We're going on this day. Here we are. Right. Okay. And we're off and running. Right. <laughs> incredibly. Hold on to your hats because incredibly, incredibly, this week we are marking the premiere of 17 episodes. Count them. 17 episodes were broadcast for the first time over the years. I'm not going to list them all. There's things like The Magician's Apprentice, Listen, A Town Called Mercy, Battlefield, The Smugglers, Galaxy 4, Galaxy 4 Episode 2 was transmitted in 1965-65 years ago. Horror Fangrock, Mask of Mandragora, there's too many to mention. 17 episodes. So it just goes to show what we talked about in the past, which is this is the time at which Doctor Who restarted. Um, so, so we... We, we, we cannot possibly talk about all 17 episodes, so we're going to concentrate on just a couple. Um, it's 10 years, it's exactly 10 years since we were watching The God Complex in 2011, um, which, uh, of course, there we are, we're back with Matt Smith, um, Amy and Rory, uh, exactly 10 years, written by Toby Whithouse. Um, he wrote uh, eight episodes in total. My personal yeah. favourite of his episodes was School Reunion, um, not not least because of uh, the return of Liz Sladen and K-9, but I think it's a cracking episode. But this is a good one as well, uh, directed by Nick yeah. Curran, who also did uh, another four episodes after this, um, and starred David Walliams in, uh, in ridiculously heavy makeup to the point where he was almost unrecognisable, um, and six... Nearly 7 million people watched The God Complex back in 2011. It was good. I'm getting you, I'm guessing you love The God Complex. This is one of my favourite Matt episodes because it, oh, it, it, fully, it fully looks at the guilt complex and the sort of God complex. It's sort of all of that ideas with the Doctor and it fully goes into that. And I love it when they do that. Mm. Yeah, I think I it's agree. a very memorable story from a time of the show where... I wouldn't say it was all over the place, but where it was kind of, I think we've spoken before how it got a little bit bogged down in the over overrunning storylines. And this one, it had a lot of strong imagery and there was something for everybody to do in the cast. Studio well, based. I remember, haven't seen it for a very long time. It yeah. was heavily studio based. Yeah. Well, one of the things... One of the things I liked about it was the fact it was all mostly set in the, in this yeah. mystery hotel. hotel. It was like a sapphire and steel story in that. Yeah, it was. Reminding yeah. sapphire and steel. Um, I, the the bit that I don't like is when they actually leave the leave the hotel and he goes out into that kind of weird sort of nether world. Yeah. Computer just, computer world. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. Leave it in the hotel. The hotel was cool. That that worked. Am I right in remembering that the Nymon get mentioned? in it or am i misremembering that yes story? yes they do yes. yeah i, I thought they did I can't remember line, what isn't it? can you remember charlotte what it's like the hollow deck wasn't it at the ending 
Well, no, it, I think it's just like a one-off line. I don't think it's a big... Yeah, it is, isn't it? But I can't remember what they say about them. It, I, I, it was a cracking episode anyway, and I loved yeah, the, yeah. the the monster itself was, was knockout. Awesome. Great costume. Great costume. Yeah, well, the guy who was inside that suit, he is now, mm. or most recently, he's the one who's inherited the uh, the long black gown and chest plate and helmet of Dave Prowse. He now plays Darth, Darth Vader. Star wow. Wars movies. Oh, is that the guy? Yeah, I can't remember wow. his name. I, I He's got a very he's got a quite strange name as well. I can't quite remember it. But, yeah, that's the same fella, basically. He's a big bugger. Mm. <laughs> I do episode. like the idea that the Doctor wanted to save it. At the ending and stuff, yeah. you know, Doctor cares yeah. about everything, no matter what yeah. it is. You know, and you and, and you and you get that lovely speech when when the, when he thinks the the creature's talking about it. Yeah, and he talks about yeah. how death would be a mercy and the blood yeah, yeah. in your hands, and it's a brilliant little speech yeah. that he mm -hmm. does. Well, he, the monster does to the Doctor. And mm. thank you to all the people in the in the chat who are now saying, yeah, okay, yeah. It, it, apparently, he's met, the Minotaur is mentioned as a distant relative, um, uh, similar species, which which makes sense. That that sort of ties up. So it's nice. I like it when they do those little throwaway things that the general public yeah, aren't going to get, the fans are going to get, but it doesn't bog the story down. It doesn't lose it. It doesn't. You don't. You don't get lost in impenetrable continuity or anything. It's just a, a little gift to the fans. For, for Matt was really good in it as well. Being, you know, fully, fully, you know, so full consistent. Yeah. That actor was so consistent in the part. I mean, mm. as much as, even though I, I think I prefer my favourite one. You know, I think that Matt Smith is the most consistent Love Matt Smith. of all the new series doctors. Uh, but uh, Matthew Pounder says that he thinks complex was too complex. But generally, <laughs> generally, yeah. this episode does seem very popular. Most people, most people seem to think it was good. I love the, the music. To a few people talking about the music. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it seems to be a story that people are generally quite fond of. And uh, yeah, yeah. lots of people are chipping in on the nine one thing there. Yeah. What else have we, what else have we got this time? Yeah, well, incredibly, we're going back a little way now. We, we're going to crank up the old time rotor now because we go back 53 years to episode one of The Mind Robber um, from 1968, the year that I was born. Um, yeah, 6.86. It's interesting, this is because 6.86 million people watched The Mind Robber part one, which is virtually exactly the same number as watched uh, The God Complex. So that's. Uh, How did that's, they hold on to that when it was spinning? Uh, out of control that's an there's nothing to hold on to oh, <laughs> magic it's magic a few, uh, a few facts a few facts on 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 the mind robber um it was uh, it, it was written of course by peter ling who we can see on the left hand side there and tragically this is a bit of a a, a bittersweet um anniversary this because it's 53 years since we saw the mind robber part one but it's actually 15 years this week since we lost peter ling the writer of the mind robber who died in 2006 aged 80 um so so bless him he he, he went and popped his clogs in the same in the same week that, that we were celebrating the anniversary of the mind robber which is <coughs> simon wasn't he a writer for quite a long time who oh. is his contribution to Doctor Who was was quite small. Yeah. But he was a bit of a mysterious figure for a while. He'd never been interviewed, had he? And then they managed to track him down. He's no, no. It, 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 this was Peter Ling's only contribution. Um, and I think the reason he he went quiet, Dan, really, was very much because apparently he felt a bit of an imposter on the show because he he knew he wasn't a sci-fi writer. For those who don't know know who Peter Ling was, he created um, the infamous Crossroads. Who anybody of a certain age know exactly what Crossroads was? I do. Um, it was a notoriously <laughs> bad. It was filmed up the road. <laughs> it was Dan. It was filmed up the road. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> it was terrible. It was terrible. I know. 
So he created that. But he did various other stuff as well. He did real classic British stuff, The Avengers, Dixon of Doc Green, a a lot of stuff, Um, and only one Doctor Who. And he was was just quite quiet about it. And we've also got... um, uh, for, for, uh, reportedly, we've got Peter Link to thank for Zoe's name because apparently, when he was writing the Mind Robber, he hadn't been given a brief as to who the replacement for Victoria was going to be. So he just created a, a generic female character and called her Zoe. And, and the production oh, team liked the name, and so and so it stuck. So we've got Peter to thank for that. Um, few, a few, few thoughts um, on. Go well, on. Sorry, um, Simon. Was this the episode where they actually put replaced the actor? Yeah. Oh, it was. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. I got it what, right. What, okay. what, well, this is a re- the Mind Robber is a really troubled production because it was originally planned as a four-parter and the Dominators had been planned as a six-parter. They dropped an episode from the Dominators and though so gave it to the Mind Robber, which is why episode one, which I still think is one of the best episodes of Doctor Who, period. Um, and if you've never seen it, give yourselves a treat. Just go and watch the first episode of The Mind Robber because um, it takes place entirely in this sort of weird netherworld and in the TARDIS and it's it's nuts. Um, but that was cobbled together by the production team because they had to quickly throw something together to make an episode up. And Peter Ling was really apparently not very happy yeah. about this being bolted onto the front. And interestingly, this is the only episode ever of Doctor Who that isn't credited to a writer. It has no writer's credit at the beginning or in the Radio Times on episode mm. one because nobody kind of wanted to take ownership. See, of it. this is the stuff. This is the trivia. I had no idea. No idea about that. Well, right. It's nuts, oh. isn't it? You'd never have noticed it. Yeah. But then, Ian, you're quite right, because the other really interesting thing about this episode is that Fraser Hines, who'd been playing Jamie for a couple of years at that point, came down with chicken pox after episode yeah. one. Yeah. And in those days, they filmed the episode and that was it. And it, it, there was no postponing or anything. So they had to film the episode, the next episodes. And so they replaced Fraser Hines with Hamish Wilson, for, for uh, three, uh, no, it's four episodes, isn't it? It's four episodes. That's right, Mega. Yeah, we got Chicken Box um, and was replaced. The myth is that, uh, that, that that Hamish Wilson was Fraser Hines' cousin. He wasn't. Um, there was no relation. But interestingly, oh. Fraser Hines' brother, Ian Hines, is actually in the show as playing one of the Clockwork Soldiers. So that's where that there is a family connection. That, so that's a total myth. They weren't cousins yeah. after all. I was going to were... say that's what I thought. That was in my head the story that they got yeah. his cousin he, in. They did very well, didn't they? He did, did a very really well. good imp- impression <laughs> of him. But apparently, yeah. unless unless I'm proven wrong, my research as, says that no, we, there was there was no relation at all. But the confusion is, as I say, with Ian, who was was Fraser's brother, who's a clockwork soldier. But it's very clever the way they 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 just happened. The production team happened to fall lucky that this particular story gave a really easy way for them to explain why yeah. Fraser Hines' face suddenly changed. And again, if you haven't seen the Mind Robber, I'm not going to spoil it for you. It makes total sense. It works beautifully. Um, give yourselves a and go and watch it. One and, of my favourites. Sorry, one of my favourites. Every week it's, on Type 40 Live. It's, it's interesting in that it's one of your favourites because apparently it's also Patrick Troughton and Wendy Padbury's. It was their right. favourite story as well. Yeah. They, they, they pulled that out as they always apparently said that was their favourite story. So, do you think, uh, and I do, love you think that, do you think that they used to say that as a wind up of uh, Fraser? <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> because you know, you know how they were together. I think it's quite possible. They But but uh, it's a cracking story. I love the Mind Robber. It's still mm. one. Of them. Have you seen it, Charlotte? Yet have you watched that one yet? No, it's it's 
like I said, I've, I've got a few Troughton I haven't watched, and because it's a six-parter, sometimes they take a five. bit longer for me to get. Oh, sorry, five. Yeah. It just it, on that's the a big chunk of my. Yeah, it's, it's definitely on the list. It's well worth truth. watching. Let's just say. It's BBC didn't lose that episode, did they? They didn't lose that episode. The no, BBC. they're all fine. All fine. Oh, great, great. Because if all they fine, did, then you could just replace it with the <laughs> Black and White Minstrel Show. Because <laughs> they saved them, didn't they? <laughs> Bunch of idiots. You're not bitter about really. this at all. I'm, I'm really bitter about it. Second, second mention for the BBC. Oh. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yes. moving on, moving on. Uh, we've got um, one birthday that we're, we're celebrating this week and one, sadly, one one death as well um on exactly the same day and it's today it's today today we wish very happy 66th birthday to janet ellis mbe uh, believe it or not did you know she was an mbe i didn't know until no, today me neither. I... i've got to be honest yeah. no i didn't but you used to fancy her <laughs> you didn't do hey, you shocked hey what do you mean used to i still <laughs> i'm still a so... big fan of janet's yeah <laughs> So, uh, so Janet Ellis, yes, played uh, T. Is it Tekka or Tika? I, can't tell, I think it's Tekka, isn't it? In, I haven't watched Horns of Nyman very much. It's not one of my favourites. Although I'm so glad, Dan, that you used that particular photo from the Horns of Nyman because I absolutely love uh, Lala Ward's red riding outfit. Yeah. In, in, oh, that, that's, you know, if I, if I was straight, I would be going for Lala Ward, I tell you. Uh, I just <laughs> Yes, very, uh, she fills it, fills it out beautifully, doesn't she? Oh, she does. Love the gloves. The red I gloves. I love the gloves. Love the red leather gloves. Anyway, back to Janet Ellis. Yes, so she's 66 today. Happy birthday, Janet. Um, sadly, sadly, and this is the real, the real sadness of this. Simon Gibbs Kent, who you can also see in that photo, who was um, played Seth in the Horns of Nine, and there we go, um, who was, of course, Tekka's partner. Um, so the two of them, you know, lead throughout the story. He sadly died on this very day itself, on Janet's birthday in 1987, and he was just 28. So wow. We, we, yeah, we're talking 34 years ago, he died, age 28, on Janet's very... So the irony of this is, is that it's her birthday and it's his death day, bless him. Yeah. Um, and um, he, he was also, he was a child... I don't know whether whether you guys can remember him at all, Ian Dan, but he was a big child actor in those days. He was a massive child actor. He mm. played, most memorably, memorably probably, he played uh, the lead part, Stephen, in the M.R. James story, uh, Lost Hearts in 1973, um, which is a real, if you've never seen it, whoa, it's one of the... So I'm, I gather that would be a ghost story then. That's it's what one of the James Christmas ghost stories. It's one of the Christmas BBC ghost stories. Um, oh, and it's a really creepy one. And he plays the lead in that. He was also in The Tomorrow People, in The Prince and the Pauper. He was in the first episode of Black Adder. He did loads and loads of stuff. Um, and he apparently died of a morphine overdose. Oh, oh dear! That's, that's really, really sad. I mean, Just when, say no. When I uh, when I look at this, I mean, I'm I don't, you'll find many many fans of the Horns of Nymon, but of that yeah. era, you know, the innocence of that time, and I think uh, seeing yeah. Janet Ellis in there, you know, and obviously her daughter now is incredibly fa famous yeah. in the UK, so yes. the Ellis Bexter, and there's that strong family resemblance. But when I was a, a boy. Janet Ellis was one of the Blue Peter presenters, you know, and, and there was yes. always one in every sort of cast when they would rotate them and change them and all this. Sort of, there was always one you'd sort of latch on to, maybe have a crush on more than the rest. And for me, it was definitely Janet. But I also really associate her with key Doctor Who moments that were covered on Blue Peter. Like she interviewed Sylvester McCoy, you know, within a few hours of him actually being announced to the and, and revealed to the press, little things like that. And she always just seemed really game for everything. And when you see her on television now, she's a really warm presence. She's, she's still on TV? 
She appears on things like, uh, well, I don't think he's on it, uh, The Right Stuff. Uh, shows oh, really? like that discussion show she turns up on now and again. Oh. And she often, often provides a very, she speaks her mind, don't get me wrong, but she often provides a very rounded view of things, very, very anchoring. And uh, I understand she lost her husband last year, so I know that she's away from the media a little at the moment, which is obviously awful, you know, awful for the family. And my condolences to to her and and the rest of her family, but um, but yeah, she is somebody who has maintained this media profile, and she writes to. I think she's got a column in in some magazine or newspaper or whatever, and she's also a patron of several charities. So mm. she's somebody who is still out there, still expresses her opinion, and uh, and still seems to be having fun. Whenever you see her, she's always smiling. Always she looks good though. Still yeah. looks good, mm. and, and I'm, I'm sure I'm right in saying as well that she she's when she was the Blueberry Peter presenter, which she did for four years. Um, so she was there for a good old while. She did the Trial of a Time Lord section, and she and she uh, is she there when when her dad gets out of the L1 robot because her dad yeah. was the special effects <coughs> guy that was running the L1 yeah. robot on television in Trial of a Time Lord, and he he turns upon Blue Peter. So there's all those those lovely those lovely connections. Um, there we go, Janet Ellis's father. There we go. Thank you, thank you. Somebody yeah, a very young... distinctive voice as well, didn't she? Yeah, I Janet? just want to point out that this person who's watching in the chat who's, who's uh, clarified your information there, Simon, for Tumsh must be a fan of the young ones. Am I right? For Tumsh. Oh, okay. Young yes. ones. <laughs> no, no, never, yeah, never yeah. One, so that's why I missed it. Jigsaw. Jigsaw. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Looking back and remember yeah. Fancy there on Jigsaw, great. my Lord. Yeah. 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 Thank <laughs> you for reminding us that, Daniel. Yeah, I forgot she was in Jigsaw. Yeah. So, she's with there, Sylvester. so, yeah. so I think we that wish. was a weird show. Happy happy birthday to Happy to, birthday, to Janet. Yeah, and part of um, me growing up. And and uh, and to say sad about Simon Gibbs. Yeah, somebody was asking mm. in the in the chat that how he died. Just to to reiterate, yeah, apparently he died of a morphine overdose. I I honestly don't know. I, I'm assuming this was this was self inflicted as opposed to mm. um, you know any medical. It's I don't know. Twenty eight bless. Mm. Uh, one one other death, sadly, that we're, that we're sort of marking this week. Tomorrow, it will be two years since we lost Graham Curry, um, the writer of The Happiness Patrol. Um, he died in 2019, aged 61. Um, again, he was the, the only Doctor Who story that he wrote was this one, The Happiness Patrol. Very, very divisive story um, for anybody that, that hasn't watched it. Um, when you get around yeah. to watching it, you probably see why. Um, <laughs> Weird. It is weird. Uh, the tar- to, 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 for anybody that hasn't seen it, a quick rundown: the TARDIS gets painted pink um, for for no apparently good reason, and uh, we, we get uh, the, the monster is is um, the Candyman, better known as Bertie Bassett, um, yeah. from, from 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 the uh, except except incredibly they had this enormous lawsuit between Bassett's the the, the toy the, the sweet manufacturer and the BBC, and somehow the BBC won. Um, that the, 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 apparently the Candyman didn't look like Bertie Bassett. Incredibly, anyway. Um, yes, yeah, I say Graham Curry, bless him, died a couple of years ago. Tomorrow, um, he believes not. I didn't know this. Um, he was a professional singer and an actor as well as a writer. He won the Cosmopolitan Young Journalist of the Year in nineteen eighty-two. So he nearly went into journalism, um, and he also wrote for EastEnders and the Bill. So, so uh, and, uh, along with numerous other, um, you know, just bread and butter BBC uh, and ITV shows. So he was a he was a very um, a very prolific writer, uh, but only ever did the one Doctor Who, which, as I say, was somewhat 
divisive story. Um, people, it's Marmite. It's a Marmite story, I think. it's. And that's, think that's Graham Corey. We've got a picture up on the screen at the moment. One of these wonderful sort of Polaroid shots from behind the scenes on uh, on Sylvan Emesis. That was funny enough. And that's Graham Corey on the, on the right there, isn't it? With his, Sylvester McCoy's got his arm around him there. Yeah, because because he made an appearance in Sylvan Emesis as one of the tourists, along with various other uh, <laughs> you know, minor celebs of the day from Do the Doctor Who world. Uh, yeah, he's in, he's in the walk-on part of Sylvan Emesis when they walk past in Windsor, uh, Windsor Castle. So, yeah, a couple of years since we lost Graham Curry. Great. There we go. I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the Happiness Patrol, and I can't wait. Are I think you? we ought to review that at some point in the future. Yeah, I think it's no, a great. Count me out of that one. It is Marmite, isn't it? It is Marmite story. <laughs> oh, seriously. So, that is a literally something for everybody in that in there. Have you seen the Happiness Patrol, Charlotte? No, I know it by reputation. I've not watched it. When Don't you've do seen it. it, I can't wait to hear what Don't you've got to it. say about that. Don't do it. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll message you a review once I watch it. <laughs> Magic. Uh, yes, well, thanks for putting all that, that together for us, as always, Simon. It's, it's so much fun to sort of shuffle around the decades like that. Heading back to 2021, 20, now watch your ears. Ah... Ah, and back yes. in the room. Seriously. It wouldn't be <laughs> it wouldn't be type 40 live without that, would it? And yeah, this is the <sighs> junction of the show where just in case that uh, that noise has made you slightly nauseous, you can slip off to the to the bathroom <laughs> and check. Wee wee time. Right. Yeah, it is that time. It's the type 40 ad break. So time for you to either put some out or take some in. Maybe you want to get yourself another brew or whatever else, while we have some adverts, some Doctor Who flavoured adverts coming up. So yeah, we'll be back after this little selection. So yeah, you either either go and do whatever you've got to do, or sit and enjoy the adverts and get back to us in a couple of minutes. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Hello? It's me. What? Is it time? Don't panic. I'm just testing. How do you feel? I think I'm developing a blowhole. You look wonderful. Womanly. I can't tell what colour my pants are without taking them off. Sensual, curvaceous. My bra was designed for Russian shop putters. Path. To keep their shots in. All right, I've given you look a tiny bit bulbous. What? Let's stop after we've had five. We're only having one. I'm never sleeping with you again after what you've just said. Don't call me for half an hour unless it's an emergency. This is an emergency. I'm fat. You're not fat. You're just keeping our baby warm. <laughs> you always say the right thing. That's how I ended up like this in the first place. Cellnet let people who can't be together talk. We're the big network. I wonder what can be keeping him. Pardon, Your Excellency, but the people, they grow restless. But my sunglasses! I can't find them! Where are my sunglasses? Major Mondo, we haven't heard of missing sunglasses to find. Perhaps I should inform the people that His Excellency is unavoidably detained. Foster Grant sunglasses seem to do strange things for some people. 
put on a pair and they seem to have just a little more self-confidence, a little more power. They clean brilliantly, they're dermatologically tested. What else makes you buy Purcell's non-bio tablets? Well, they leave the clothes beautifully fresh and soft. And you like this, do you? I like my men rough and ready, and my clothes just the opposite. Purcell non-bio tablets, brilliantly clean, beautifully soft. <laughs> bit of a uh, theme for the adverts this time there charlotte can you can you spot what the connection was between those three no because <laughs> i didn't hear any of them i don't know what it is to decide <laughs> <laughs> oh, i don't know where simon's gone i think he's just popped off he's uh, on he's late back from the little boys room but yes that was yeah. a set of that was a set of adverts all themed around the master so we've got john sim we've got jeffrey oh, beavers yeah. And we've got Roger Delgado too. So yes, we've got uh, yeah, we've got Daniel Edwards said I've never seen Delgado in an ad before. Neither had I. No, uh, I. Best master said Blue Planet. He was. <laughs> uh, Roger, lots of oh, lots of affection here for Roger Delgado from Wemdology and Enigmatic Joker. Chris Persia notices that uh, John Sim was really young then. Yes, he he really was young and fresh faced. Talking of which. Sorry about that. I was get I was get kicked out for some reason in the interview in the uh, adverts. Sorry. <laughs> Damn it! Didn't work. Damn it! <laughs> did, you, did you catch? Did you catch the uh, the any of the adverts there? We got, no. got Roger Delgado advert there. I'll have to show it to you later on. But yeah, it was all themed around the master, and particularly the last one because we did get to see Caroline John as Megan Eurobite chimes in there. We saw Caroline John with her husband, Jeffrey Beavers, in an advert for Purcell there, which I thought was lovely and timely too, because there is one other birthday this week, isn't there, Simon? Albeit somebody who is no longer with us. Yeah, sadly, Caroline John died in 2012, nine years ago. She, it would have been her birthday on Sunday. Wow. Um, and we lost her, as I say, yeah, nine years ago, 2012 age 71 and I, I you know i just love i love caroline john i love the character of liz shaw um she it's it's interesting she was a character that i never actually bonded with very well i never got to the character of liz shaw when i used to watch uh doc two as a, as a kid um and i said to you dan earlier on the week didn't i, I said i i, I think that that liz shaw as a character and also caroline john as an actress you kind of get as an adult i don't think she works as a kid as a character in a in a, in a kid's show um I, I think you only get the character when when you are an adult that's that true way I can yeah. explain. And that I is thought true that this was an ideal time really to do you know because we've done this a couple of times before and we talked about amy pond a couple of months ago on the show so i thought it was a good time really for us to take stock of caroline john and the character of Liz Shaw, and just celebrate her for for a little while, really, and talk about this this strange character that was I sort of very uh, particularly placed coming out of the sixties at a time where they thought Doctor Who would run its course, Charlotte. You know they. They were looking with the closing of the black and white era and the moving of BBC One completely into colour. You, know, you probably know they were looking to 
to leave Doctor Who there and to and to make something different, something that was aimed at a slightly older audience. They decided they couldn't come up with any ideas any better than Doctor Who, and just to sort of repurpose that instead and to reinvent it. And they did it obviously so sensitively and so beautifully. And the character of Liz was a um, a key part of that, a different way of looking at the companion. Have you, Liz Shaw only appeared in 25 episodes across four stories. Have you seen many of them yet? I think I've just seen like one or two because Pertwee is one of the doctors that I don't, I'm a bit weird with Pertwee. I don't like really dislike his doctor, but I don't love him. I'm sort yeah. of very much in the middle ground with Pertwee. So he's not one of, he's not one that I would naturally go back to watch compared to others so that's probably why i don't know so much about liz right boot her off because it was just that one season though and because some of the stories are i mean a great many of them were victims of the junking by the bbc weren't they because that was still going on into the john perky yeah. wasn't it Simon? yeah yeah absolutely they're still junking and some of the some of the least shore episodes didn't exist um for, for a few years and until until they sort of came back um right you know and, you and, what you can get though from the bbc don't you <laughs> you know you <laughs> the black and white <laughs> magical show they saved them <laughs> It's going to be an ongoing um, joke. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, it's interesting. You, she, yeah. You're right, Dan. The character was a very. It, it was a very particularly placed character. It was created very, very specifically. Um, there was no randomness with this character at all. For for, for right or wrong reasons, she was created very much to be a, a, an equal of the Doctor. Um, uh, Peter Bryant, the outgoing producer. Um, had decided that 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 the doctor needed somebody of of um, of a similar standing to himself, rather than the sort of screaming girls in inverted commas that they kind of had up until that point. And so it was a very very deliberate specific move to bring in this character. Um, she was a scientist, wasn't she? Yeah, she was a scientist, and she absolutely. So, so, so this this was part of the problem that Barry Letts, the producer, had. Because he ne he felt he needed a companion that that said to the doctor what's going on, um, mm. what, what what's happening, doctor. Whereas Liz knew what was happening. Um, I disagreed completely with Barry on this one, Barry Letts, because for me, I think a character can work on the same level as the doctor. Um, I think they can communicate between themselves on on a yeah, level that yeah. they understand, but still in a way that allows the audience access to what they're talking about i don't what i'm trying to say is i don't actually agree that you have to have the companion as this kind of uh, audience identification figure who isn't who who is not as clever as the doctor i think it can work with clever writing maybe it's harder to get right i don't know but she looked great there though doesn't she? brilliant in Caroline John, they cast uh, an actress who was a lot older than Wendy Padbury and... Uh, uh, they used to dress her really badly in the show, as I recall. Yeah, they did. Well, she, yeah. I, think, I think that there was, again, we're looking at a time where she was a professional and they were looking to strike that balance and strike a dynamic that mm. was somewhere between the relationship that the Doctor had had with Zoe and and closer to the Avengers girl. So it was somewhere yeah. in the middle. Yeah. And so we get her in very stylized looks, certainly when she was introduced to the press. We're looking for mm. some publicity pictures at the moment here from the filming of Spearhead from Space. And, you know, this, I, what would you call that? It's a, looks like it was designed by Mary Quant or something, this, <laughs> this three-quarter length 
It was very, very um, Diana Rig, wasn't it? Very Diana Riggish. I think so. Uh, costumes, I think so. Yeah. And as and as a result, I think the character, as is the case with a lot of Doctor Who companions, is a starting point to take it to to, to sort of to pick up and run with. Mm. And whereas uh, Elizabeth Sladen had the extended time to pick up the character off on the page and to and to run with that and to add lots to it and to cut away what she couldn't work with. I think that Caroline John obviously was only in the park for one season and didn't really get a chance to do that. Although across those four stories, I think we do see some contrast. And it's an interesting dynamic because what it asks of the Doctor is slightly different because there was a definite attempt, wasn't there, to develop the Doctor too. So mm. not, not in so much of a paternal way. He was still a yes. patriarchal figure. He was still mm. a protector, but he wasn't so much as he wasn't so much a case of looking after the children. He still mm. had a, a he still had a sense of responsibility, mm. but he felt he he wasn't so much in the parental figure, Liz was more of an equal and he respected her. Not he that did. he didn't respect Jamie and Zoe, but it was a different kind. He, he yeah. knew and understood her credentials and why she was there and, mm. and could trust her with different things. That's why he, that's why he questioned Joe. Remember when he was introduced to Joe, he questioned her. He said, well, what do you do? Do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't need you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Since, since you know, since, I mean, the uh, thing, yeah. The thing, the thing that I think is interesting mm. about the Doctor the third Doctor and Liz relationship is it reminds me very much of what would become Mulder and Scully from the X-Files. It's that mm. kind of a relationship. And that's why I'm saying I, I think it can that. work. I yeah, think maybe I think mm. maybe the, the, the writers didn't quite... And I do feel that Caroline John, <laughs> as an actress, is poorly served in it. And yeah. I think Liz yeah. as a character is poorly served in season mm. seven. But as I say, partially, that might be down simply to the to the writers just struggling to get their head around what was an entirely new dynamic for the show that had never been tested before. David Mullen, I can see in the chat, you're correct. You say that he that she was the most mature female character uh, companion since Barbara Wright, and that's absolutely true. She's very much yeah. understanding in a way with Barbara, isn't she? You can see mm. the link yeah. there with Barbara. I say so. Yeah, I, I do yeah, like. Um, sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, I was, I was going to say, just to add what mm. Simon's saying, like, of course she was equal with science and that was sort of the difference. But if they were, that's why they should have written it, though, from what you guys are saying and what I can pick up is whatever happens, even if the companion has got a scientific level similar to the doctor or any sort of intelligence, they're still human. The doctor's yes. still an alien. Yes. It doesn't matter how intelligent they are. They are never going to be able to have that same life experience. It's true. So and also, it still um, is the same idea of having like the younger screaming companion so much. It's just you have to rearrange it a bit from what yeah. you guys are saying. The reason why I like Pertweed so much is because he was an original. He didn't copy as um, Simon Frozen there. Oh, I, I think he, I think he has. <laughs> I, think he yeah, I thought he was like, <laughs> oh, he's back. I'm back. And it's important, um, <laughs> and it's important as well to to realise that it wasn't just the Doctor, the yeah. the Brigadier at this point as well had been introduced pretty much as a third Plastic. as a third wheel as a, as that third companion. So the three of them, I think, I think that Liz's character was initially created to be somewhat of a middle ground between the military. Mm. And and the doc between science. the military and science, yeah, that's mm. it. Ian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, also, I, I, it, sorry, I was about that, to say, 
sorry, I was about to say the reason why I like John Pertwee so much is because he wasn't copying the second doctor, the first doctor. He was, yeah. he was something else. He, he, it, it seemed like he didn't care about anybody. He only cared about building the TARDIS and getting out of there. But at the end of the day, you can see he did care about earthlings as, as they would put it in those days. And that's what I loved about him personally. Anyway, sorry. Well, and, also, and also what's interesting from that photo there that you can mm. see, and I think that really shows it clearly, the enormous difference between the mm. last Patrick Troughton season yep. mm -hmm. and this one, which was one year later, because this is an adult show. Look at that photo. Yeah. That's an yeah. adult show. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so you can really see very clearly that they, that they were really trying here to yeah. create an entirely new show, an entirely new direction for the show. Um, and, and, and I think the truth of it is, to an extent, they didn't quite get it right. But, but no. they I think they got it right. I adore <laughs> season seven, but yeah. I can see why it didn't quite work for some people. I think all of the elements that. were present. It, there was nothing wrong with season seven that, didn't, that wouldn't have been sorted by giving it all yeah. a little bit more time to cook. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, this short was created by Derek Sherwin, wasn't wasn't she, Simon? And he was on his way out as he yes. created a sort of. So that yes. must have been strange for for Barry Letts and Terence Sticks to inherit that character uh, and to and to run with it really, and to run with the dynamic too. And, and yeah. for John Pertwee just dropping into this show, which he had seen but wasn't a certainly wasn't a fan of, and and didn't. Um, wasn't uh, obsessed with and, and I don't think he'd studied the show because the man was a very busy actor all through the 60s and yeah. had been encouraged to come in and to do something different and to be himself. So for everybody involved, with the exception of, uh, of Sherwin, it must have been like working on a fresh out-of-the-box new show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would say and, that. And so they all kind of had to hit the ground running. So it was a tough one for all of them. And that's why, as I say, I think, unfortunately, Liz Shaw as a character, Caroline John as an actress, just kind of drew the short straw on all of it. Because maybe it was, maybe it was, I don't agree with this. I'm saying arguably it was, it was just one step too far to, to do so many changes in one fell swoop. And something was going to suffer simply because they were going to take their eye, the eye, their mm. eye off the ball at some point. And unfortunately, I think Liz was probably the one that they took their eye off the ball, and they didn't quite know what to do with the character, which I think is a shame because I say she's a. I, it's one of those performances as you watch it more. For me, I appreciate it more. I think I think it's fair to say that probably Caroline John struggled a bit in the part because she was struggling to find her feet and work out what they wanted her to do because it was a somewhat undeveloped character, underdeveloped yeah. character. And she was mainly a stage actor. She'd been working at the National yeah. uh, Theatre Company. Under, All of them were. Under, directly yeah. under Laurence Olivier Absolutely. At, the, at the time that she was cast. Yeah, she'd been touring with the art, the Royal Shakespeare Company in the National Theatre. She was huge as a stage actress. Um, and so it was a complete diversion for her as well. Um, so she must have been terrified going into it because she was a really, yes, you say, a really renowned stage actress under Olivier. I, I found it hard to connect with her, though. I got to admit. Well, let's let's just backtrack for the people out there. Some of the maybe new series fans who aren't so familiar with the classic run, Liz was the Doctor's replacement after the whole situation with the Yeti in the underground, and then the Cybermen in the sewers, in the Web of Fear, and then the invasion. Liz Shaw was kind of the Doctor's replacement 
at unit as the scientific advisor. But when the Doctor returns to Earth in Spearhead from Space to begin his his time in exile by, by the Time Lords, she gets reassigned and sort of has to serve as his as his second, really, as his assistant. And so she helps repel that Nestine invasion there, and then goes on to uh, several adventures. Uh, there's the reawakening of the of the Silurians, of course, and from the Earth's crust. And then there's the whole business of those returning astronauts that turn out to be ambassadors of death itself. And then uh, the the Inferno story, the classic story, Inferno, where we meet two Liz Shores. There's the, there's our Liz Shore, <laughs> and there's the uh, the totalitarian Liz Shore from a parallel dimension. An insane, an insane parallel di uh, dimension where they're actually cracking open the Earth's crust, and the Doctor sort of gets caught between the two worlds. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you can imagine Caroline John had a blast playing that version of the character, as well as the uh, established version of Liz Shaw. But across those four stories, and let's say just those twenty-five episodes in the in the one season. It's a really sort of full experience that that she gets on the show. She does. And and whilst I mean I know that I know that she left because she she fell pregnant and she couldn't continue on the show. Yeah. But the, I get the impression it was very much a mutual thing that, yeah. that they were aware the character wasn't quite working in the way they wanted it to. But uh, Barry Letts and Terence Sticks kind of wanted to go another direction. But for me, when I watch these stories now and and this particular time in Doctor Who history, it's it's all there. And and this character when I first saw her, Simon. When Spearhead from Space came out on on VHS around 1988, 89, yeah. you know, I struggled to warm to her as well. Yeah. Yeah, she seemed we like were. a character who who didn't seem to fit in the Doctor Who universe that I knew. But over the decades, same with same for me with the entire John Pertwee era, it, I've warmed to it and warmed to Liz and been able to appreciate this slightly. God, this this is no slight on anything that Katie or Wendy or Liz did with their parts. But I think that Caroline brought a uh, a sense of um, she. There was something internal with this character that she was gradually bringing out, and because of the nature of the stories and the fact that Liz was only a component part of them, it probably would have taken at least one of the season before we would have seen everything. Well, I think also you see an enormous change. You're right, Dan. When she appears in the, um, and somebody said, in, I can't remember, sorry, who it was said in the chat, that she's very serious and quite and quite intimidating in that in that first story. She's she's grumpy. She's 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 caustic. She's a, she's almost put across as a dislikable character in Spearhead from Space. By the time you get to, isn't it? It's deliberate. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. By the time you get to Inferno at the end of that run, you I think you've really, really warmed to her enormously. I think she, she, she comes on leaps and bounds in the second story, The Silurians. You suddenly start to, I think, warm to her then. But as I say, certainly by the time you get to the end with Inferno, I've really grown to like her um, as a character. Um, but but I, I get it. She's a, she's a, it's a difficult character. It's a difficult characterization. She's not desperately accessible. It's not a warm character. That's the, that's the thing. Um, and so I can see why people struggle with her a bit. And that's why I think Caroline John was poorly served because I think she's a much better actress than she was allowed to show as uh, as Liz Shaw. She's I think odd, I think what you said though, yeah, Simon. What you said before that you know you look at it and it's like it's a, it's an adult show, 
yeah. you know, when Pertwee joined. I think that's one of the reasons why I like the Pertwee era so much, mm. because it wasn't panting too much to the kids. It was trying to yeah. be a serious drama, and that's what I liked about it. I mean, yes. sorry, Dan, for interrupting you. No, but, that's um, okay. but, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. I agree. That's I agree. I, mm. That's why I like it. Yeah, and I, and I also think you've got a number of... I know the the brig had already been introduced, but I think yes. in, in Pertwee's era, you've got a whole like group of characters that wouldn't fit into any other Doctor's era. And that's yeah. what's lovely. Is that, that, that's something I do appreciate about the Pertwee era. It's like it gives mm. you that military angle. It gives yeah. you the, the yeah. staying in one spot. Yeah. Yeah. The, the earth sort of thing that the, the, the theme of having a team around him which i th i don't think we've like i know we've had some earth-based stuff afterwards but i don't think we've had that sense of a home base before for the doctor yeah. as much as we got in Pertwee, which you're is right nice. yeah mm. yeah and i think and i think of course that's what in a way they were trying you're right charlotte and they were trying then to create this kind of family and in all honesty it didn't actually get created until katie manning came along but 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 I genuinely don't think that's any any. It's not Liz. It's not Caroline John's fault. I do think no. it's in the characterisation. And there were there were themes to this particular time in Doctor Who as well. Mm. And whilst I resist any claim that Doctor Who has, it's always been a political show, and this time the show proves it. No, no, no. The this is the difference between being political and being topical. This is texture. Yeah. This is something that grounds these stories in the in the actual times yes. in which they were made. Yes. And Liz Shaw probably she probably is the most accurate representation of a modern woman in 1970s Doctor Who. She she feels, and this isn't any reflection on her, on her credentials, her scientific credentials, or her ability to uh, to run a, run a quarry in a, in a pair of heels or not, or whatever else. It's a reflection on the way that Caroline plays her and the way that she's written. And maybe it was a little too soon for too soon for Doctor Who. I don't know. But I, I really appreciate, and, I, and as time goes on, I appreciate her character even more so. Yeah. And, and I, I struggle to imagine uh, Joe Grant's in these stories, Ian, for example. Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Didn't uh, Mary Tam have the same problem? That's why she was yes. one of the reasons why she quit, isn't it? Because she didn't oh, want yeah. to be a screaming damsel in distress. They changed her her character, and so she said, you know, I'm not having any of this. This is what I read. I don't know if it's true. You guys know more than me, I guess. It, but in many ways, Ian, you're, you're right in that you can see mm. the similarities between Liz and Roman, the first Romana played by mm. Mary Tam. There is, there yeah. is, they, they did the same thing. They wanted... Graham Williams wanted a character in Romana that was the Doctor's equal again, oh, yeah. and in a way they then said, "Oh, well, we've made a bit of a mistake here. Um, it doesn't work." And and I suppose there is an argument for the fact that the dynamic as it as it exists in Doctor Who is kind of sacrosanct, and and we've talked in the past about keeping the integrity of mm. that initial idea where the Doctor is up here and the companion is down here, not because they're less or anything, but just because they're simply not as intelligent as as an alien. Mm. Uh, um, and so there is some merit in saying, well, no, the integrity of the show is that's what it is. Um, and so, and you mess with it at its, at its peril. And so maybe Liz Shaw and maybe the first Romana are the proof that, yeah, you do mess with it at its peril. Or is it just that they didn't quite think it through clearly enough and make sure that the writing was strong enough to get it right? I don't know. Yeah, they can do it. I agree. They can do it. They can have I a strong female. Um, but but um, I always go to I always go to Leela for obvious reasons. But Leela was wasn't the Doctor's equal, but she was strong in her own 
respect, if you know what I mean. So well, she wasn't one of the. Well, 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 well not, not, not Joe. Joe, Joe, Joe was basically definitely picked on, wasn't she? Let's face it. The first time she turns up to John Pertweed, he has a go at her, doesn't he? It's like, what are you doing here? You know, you're, yeah. you know, well, go and make me a cup of tea and all that rubbish. Do you remember? So yeah, he yeah, treated yeah. her really badly. But um, as I said, I think the writers realise that you can't do that. You gotta, yeah. you gotta respect them. They respect the the um, the companion. So I anyway, mean, one of the things I like about about this, I really like uh, the Third Doctor with with uh, with Lashore. Liz, I I like the balance. I like the I like the fact that he does seem to respect her. I love the fact that he flirts with her. I think in Spearhead from Space, he he definitely flirts with Liz. I mean, yeah. we know that it's it's partly so that he can get access to the TARDIS. Yes, <laughs> yes. try and get away. Yeah. But yeah. I just love the fact that she brings out that side of the doctor because he would have never under any circumstances have flirted with with Victoria for example no or, or mm. with or with Joe Grant no. but i think he can with Liz it's it's they're really charming scenes and numerous people in the chat watching along with the people on youtube who are listening to this have mentioned the fact that she's prickly she's arrogant i don't necessarily see her that way i Not think I. she's she's in her workplace and this guy who's dressed like Nobody she's ever seen before, just like, <laughs> just like Adam Adamant, yes. you know, sort of aging Mark Boland type, is sort of given her, given her the, the charm and giving her the big I am. She's been been sort of parachuted in the, into this situation with the military from, from Cambridge. And so she just wants to get back to work, doesn't she, Charlotte? Yeah. I was going to say, more than that, he's come back and then ends up taking a job. So yes, it's like, yes, that's it, yeah. yeah. So she's not happy, but, yeah. Well, there's I your politics for also, you. Yeah, but I think what also is important is you don't want to go the other way, though, with companions. You don't want to never try anything different because I yeah. think that's also yes. another trap this show gets Very into. True. Correct. They go, they go right, they're, 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 they're female, they're younger, they're usually modern day to that era. And it's like, and I think the show needs to, once it's done maybe a few of those, if it wants to do that, it needs to kick out almost and have a companion that is yeah. completely different background-wise or yeah. age yeah. or history, yeah. just something to make you Or go, from another oh, planet. Yeah, or from another different. planet would be good, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Sam watching on YouTube adds that Liz would fit into New Who. Uh, she unfortunately, would. She, we never got to see her in, in New Who. Mm. She did get mentioned in the Sarah Jane Adventures, didn't she, Charlotte, in the story of the death of the Doctor? She was supposed to be yes, uh, visiting the moon Joe. Yeah, because yeah. Joe was in that episode, so she would have mentioned Liz. She does. I'm trying to think what she says she's doing. Is she on? Is she on? She's, she's, she's on, on the moon, moon base. Yeah, on the moon <laughs> base. The unit moon base. Now, I would have loved if if Sarah Jane had continued for another for another season. If we hadn't lost Liz Slade, I'd love to think that we may have one day have seen uh, Katie Manning, Liz Slade, and Caroline John on the show. That would have been great together. That would, that, oh, it would have just been, that would just been, been fantastic. To that comment, Martha sort of became a bit like Liz. If you think about Martha yes, sort of and Dark. Mm. It was yeah. sort of like a modern, more modern take almost. And her dynamic yeah, in Smith right. and Jones, her dynamic in Smith and Jones from both the, the balance of, of respect and the flirting is very similar to the spirit from space. Mm. Oh yeah, I love and that line when he says I'm the doctor and she says you've got to, you've got to earn that title called like and it's a very good line for a companion to say she's not gonna just be like, oh, I'm instantly gonna trust you. And I like it when mm. companions don't trust the doctor straight away. I think they should the doctor should almost have to earn that. Yeah. It's a lot more I, interesting to watch. 
And I think maybe, 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 maybe Martha is the proof that actually, yeah, you can have a character more like that. Um, it, it's just, it just is in the writing. Uh, I, yeah. I think. Um, yeah. it's just right. I just think she just wasn't thought through properly. Bless her. I have um, a quote here from Caroline John, the late Caroline John. She passed away in 2012 at the age of 71. And she said that uh, I was excited at first to be a brainy girl, but all the directors wanted really was a sexy piece. It was such an effort, looking glamorous on cold clay pits and rubbish <laughs> dumps. So that's <laughs> nice quote there from Caroline. I mean, she did after leaving the show. She continued. You know, she she raised a, a family. I believe she's got three children with with the actor Jeffrey Beavers, who would later go yeah. to play the master. But yeah, she returned to acting too, and could be seen in other dramas and commercials like we saw earlier on. And uh, was never was never really off the screen, really, for the rest of her life. And she would return to play Liz oh. for Big Finish and all those sorts of things. But the convention circuit, Simon, she stayed away from that, didn't she? Deliberately. Well, she did. Yes, yeah, she did. And I think I think she genuinely thought that no, but she was one of those people that genuinely thought nobody was actually interested in her. She felt... Ultimately, I think that the character had been something of a, of a failure um, with a very, very small F. She, she, you know, she didn't think it was a disaster or anything like that, but she wasn't sure that it had really worked as well as it should have done. As you just said from that quote there, she wasn't really happy with what they were trying to do with it. She felt, I think she felt quite rightly that they were trying to sort of put a square peg in a round hole with this character and it just wasn't quite gelling. And so I just genuinely think that she thought she was of no interest to the Doctor Who fandom. Um, and she's one of those people that found that quite late, that actually, you no know, people, people really, really liked the character of Liz. Um, and she warmed then very much into doing it. She was a great convention guest. But you um, know, in the old days, in the old days of the 60s and the 70s, you know, uh, actors that come from that line uh, yeah. of theatre and uh, and you know they were well respected and and uh, yeah. they were treated with respect and also they were really good at their craft. So yeah. I can understand what she's saying to actually take her from from stage where she's you know known and you know lovey and darling and then put her in this show like Doctor Who and then she's got to wear a skirt and try yeah. and look glamorous. She's going to feel out of place. Of course she's yeah. going to feel out of place. I think, I think that's what happened. And yeah. I think she was really surprised in later life to find out that that people actually were interested in her and wanted. I think she genuinely thought she was disliked. As I, in mm. fact I remember I remember seeing uh, some interview or something with her a comment where she actually thought she was disliked. Her character was disliked by fandom. Mm. Hard to imagine, uh, isn't it? Which is Jack heartbreaking. The late Jackie Lane. The late Jackie Lane believed the same about, she about Dodo, same. didn't she? She was exactly the same. She just didn't realise that anybody would be remotely interested in her. Um, I mean, Doctor Who fans go crazy over some, one person that's been in one episode. Do you know yeah. what I mean? They're like, you know, of course they're going to be crazy over, over, yeah, over but a woman that played Liz Shaw, aren't they? You know? I think, yeah, I think we've got to remember, though, this was a different time when these I people know. were in the yeah. show. Yeah. Like yeah. nowadays, yeah. actors have yeah. instant feedback almost, don't they? Whatever they do, yeah. they choose yeah. to go on social media, if they choose to interact. Mm. Yeah. And I mm. think that's what sort of, sort of, it's the double-edged sword, is that you yeah. know too much nowadays almost, but then it means that the actors who might have had a bad impression during like the 60s, 70s or 80s, who are yeah. on social media, are sort of, they still think they're disliked. Yes, and yeah. It's, sort of, it's, it's a, a really shame. sad thing that when that happens, like you said, with is, the other actresses. Yeah, and I say it is a shame because she was a really, really good actress. I've seen her in a number of things. It, her, her, her list of credits 
is enormous. You wouldn't believe how many things you've probably seen her in without even realising she was in them. You know, Midsummer Murders, Dangerfield, <laughs> EastEnders, Casualty, Poirot, Silent Witness. She, you know, she did all of. See, it's it's one of those things with actors. They don't realise how lucky they are, right? To be a working actor, you've made she, it, right? To, to to have fame doesn't mean to say that you've no. made it. To ha to be working. That's You're when right. you know you've you've you, you've made it. So it's a shame she didn't realise that fact and embraced it even more. She, she had that right. wrong impression of who she was and how people saw her, which is really weird. When but then again, actors do wear their um their, their, their lives oh, on their sleeves, don't they? Bad. Basically, don't they? I yeah. Love, I love this story that we've got here in the chat here from Crimpling to Bloom. Like a lot of Doctor Who fans who clearly was at various conventions over the years, Crimpling to Bloom mm. said that after a convention. I saw Liz Sladen and Caroline John leaving the hotel to find a restaurant and have dinner together. What a, oh, what a lovely memory. Them. Yeah. Mm. Both, both of them, both of them both sadly, of them no sadly longer gone. with us. But, but such a, you know, knowing that you see that you see these parts and this series bond actors together. I think that happens in the new series as well, Charlotte. But some of these legends, you know, I had an experience as well, the same where I had lunch with Michael Wisher and, and uh, the guy who played Nida, whose name escapes me Peter Miles Peter Miles you know I had lunch with those two guys together uh, literally had lunch with them and they were just these two middle-aged guys talking moaning about British Rail and all those kinds of things and and that initial sort of 30 second to two minute period where I was oh my god it's neither oh my god it's Davros you know in next to no time they were asking me about what I was doing at college and telling me where they lived and it was just like it was me and my mate at the time, just four people sat around talking about the most mundane everyday things. And every time I see Peter Miles and Michael Wisher, either under prosthetics or not, I always think about that time. And I can imagine that Crimpling, you've got Crimpling, God, there's some of these names. Crimpling. <laughs> Probably they do it on purpose. Way. I swear they do it on purpose. Yeah, but, but Dan, did, when you were doing that, when you were having lunch with them, it, yeah. it, it just, it just, it, I don't know. For me, when I was having when I was having a beer with um, Peter Davison, it, it, I was in the moment, and it was afterwards when I was walking home. I was thinking, I had a beer with Doctor Who. Do you know what I mean? It's not when when you're there. It, 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 it just you you just fly through it. But when you're walking away. You realise that my God, I had you know, I had I had a beer with Peter Davison. Do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Was it like that with you when you had lunch with with those guys? Sort of. I mean, I, I was only I was I was literally a teenager at the time. Oh, okay. Seventeen or something like that. Yeah. I was a little in awe in awe of them, but I was also very excited because I was about to go and see Jacqueline Pierce from Blake Seven speak on stage. So I was All very right. excited about that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the whole convention circuit and, and going back to Caroline, Caroline John. The fact that it is Caroline uh, and Jackie, people who were kind of softly removed from the show. And yeah. I think over the years, that may have left a little bit of a scar on their egos to the point where, okay, if the producer didn't think that I was doing a good job and wasn't prepared yeah. to persevere with the character and with me, then perhaps the audience felt the same way. Uh, and so you know, I, I've seen so a video. I've seen a video of Caroline at that very first convention that she went to, stepping up onto the stage, and you can see as yeah. she's making her way from the from the door to the stage, you can see the fear on her face. Yeah. And then when the when the applause goes up, the relief mm. and the mm. joy, the, there are tears in that woman's eyes. Yes, yeah, she's so moved. so moving. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, 
Julian Raxel's watching and says that uh, she was great in uh, The Hound of the Basketballs yes. with Tom Baker. That was produced by Barry Litz, of course. Yes, later on. brilliant, in it? A lovely comment here from Sun Raider Customs. It says, time just flies when this show is on. I enjoy it so much. Thank you for spending time with us, Sun Raiders. Always really appreciated. Uh, Liz, Liz Shaw does uh, or did live on in the 1990s. I mean, Caroline, uh, Caroline did return to the part for the Five Doctors in a, in a brief scene where she played the spectre of Liz Shaw in the yeah, Dark Tower did, that yeah. plagues the Doctor in another wonderful moment. And again in 1993, we saw her, her in Dimensions in Time. Once oh, again, with John Pertwee running Why? through Albert Square <laughs> and willing to wrestle Kate O'Mara's master. Yeah, I'd, I'd, master? Rani, I'd have either have wrestled Kate O'Mara any day. <laughs> and and uh, Caroline John also recreated the character of Liz Shaw for a series of unofficial dramas for BBV. More about those perhaps another time. Yeah, but more. She had fun with the part. And I think that really showed. I think after her time away from the show and from the fan base, when she realised that we loved her and loved the character, we... we uh, we saw her sink into it and embrace it, uh, and uh, relish the character, relish the opportunities that was that it was uh, giving her. And uh, so when I when I see pictures of her now, I mean, you know, from later in life, we got we got uh, this here, this lovely picture of Caroline. This is not not long before she died. I think of somebody who was who may have been only on the show for a short period of time, who but was still looked good. Really one, yeah, one of does. the family. When, when she passed away, Stephen Moffat, who was the showrunner of Doctor at the time, said that Caroline was a brilliant actress. And in her role as Liz Shaw, a tremendous co-star for John Pertwee in that first year as the Doctor. She's not mm. just a sidekick, but she's a scientist in her own right and a match for the universe's number one know-it-all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I think is a lovely quote there from, yeah. from uh, Stephen Moffat. He's uh, great with words. Has to be said, yeah. and the, uh, there's long been rumours that Ridley Scott may also be a fan of Liz Shaw because he named his character in Prometheus and Alien Covenant as Elizabeth Elizabeth Shaw. And although Ridley has never spoken about this publicly, it's often thought Charlotte that this could be could be a tribute to uh, Unit's second most famous scientific advisor. Mm. Well, it's, it's 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 the doctor, isn't it, in front of it that makes you think it's more. If it was just Liz Shaw, you could maybe, but the fact that he's put doctor makes you think, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I remember thinking at the time when I when I first saw the film, I remember thinking there's got to be something in there. It's too it's too unlikely. <laughs> Anybody uh, find out? No, no. To this day, no. you know what Ridley's like. He doesn't talk a lot about stuff. Really. <laughs> he's a man of few words. Gets Very angry, man. The next job. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your stories, guys. Says Richard Brooks. Thank you for being here, Richard. We've enjoyed your company too. Lord Thoth says a beer with Peter, Ian. That's nice. Yeah, it was. It was nice. He was a nice <laughs> guy. Glad Caroline found out how much she was loved. Yeah. And Alan did. Collins adds that Liz Shaw could have dismantled the TARDIS and yes. put it back together again to make it work work perfectly. You know, maybe she That's did. going too far now. Come on. <laughs> she wasn't that clever. <laughs> Let's face it. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, obviously, uh, happy yeah. uh, happy birthday to, to yeah. Caroline John. Happy birthday. Yeah, she would she would have been she would have been eighty on Sunday. So happy birthday. And I love that idea of I, I'm I'm hoping that her and, and, and Liz Sladen will sit down and have a meal on Sunday up in heaven. That's that's just a nice that's a nice image. I'm gonna keep that one. Mm. 
And we've got a final tribute here that uh, from the third doctor, more speculation, that uh, every Christmas supermarket sell those Elizabeth Shaw chocolate mints. So that could be another tribute. Time's ticking on, everybody. It's uh, it's uh, nearly time to wrap up, but we're going to look at some pretty pictures. So first of all, I wanted to uh, throw this one up. This is this is a piece called Doctor Whoever. Uh, the work of Quirkilicious over on oh. Deviant Art, and it's a kind of anime-style Doctor Who poster featuring all the Doctors there being... Uh, I, I don't know if they've been sort of forced out of the TARDIS or whether they're trying to get back into it, but I think it's beautifully painted, and I'm generally not a major fan of this style of artwork, Ian. How about you? Uh, they've made uh, Sylvester McCoy fat. <laughs> Look at his stomach. Uh, <laughs> um, no, a, I love it. A, I love it. It's fantastic. Maybe it, a, maybe it was a big lunch. <laughs> it's really nice it's really i love the style and it's very anime very yeah. anime yeah so it's that really nice. caught my eye and it's it's not often mm. that i see that would probably be the kind of thing you get on a mouse mat don't you think charlotte yeah it's nice oh yeah it is and, nice. It's, and it's got the likeness hasn't it some of the like the way they've drawn them moving about makes you think of those doctors which is nice also yeah, peter not peter's not having any of it Everybody's trying to oh, grab him. They're like, get lost. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, I like the bright white that's coming out of the TARDIS doors as well, because, you know, the, the TARDIS mm. is a character in Doctor Who in its yeah. own right, I feel. And somebody points out, yeah, they have made Sylvester McCoy a bit corpulent, whilst Colin Baker is uh, is very thin, as Crimpley yeah. points out there. I don't like the way they drew um, uh, John. He looks nothing like John. I don't know what he's wearing either. <laughs> Weird. But yeah, that's a, mm. something a little quirky, yeah? but I think it wouldn't be a Type 40 Live without us checking in with... Uh, it's been a couple of weeks, actually, for yeah for the Prydonian and his work. As always with the Prydonian, it's all about the Daleks with him. And this one is entitled the... Uh, where is it? Yeah, this one is entitled The Refueling Station. And it's uh, it's still mired in the 1960s dalek comic strips world but uh god there's so much so many details in this everybody i encourage you to go over onto twitter after this show's finished naturally and to uh, to go and find the prydonian and check this out it's high risk. whoa that's really nice it's oh, really really nice absolutely beautiful james you excel at this sort of work my friend i mean all those little daleks it's really high res so if you download this and you go in really tight on those details in. the daleks in their hoverbouts and going all over the dome there of their spacecraft i just think it's so beautiful his and shots his pictures get better every week every, every seriously that's by far the best yet and and i that's just beautiful i want that on my wall I literally want that printing on my wall. Love the rivets. Just when you think you've seen it all. So, yeah, don't forget. I know we say this every time. Head over to James Johnson, otherwise known as the Prydonian, over on Twitter to see his latest works of near genius. The man is obsessed with Daleks. And, yes, I have asked him to come on the show, but he's way too shy. So we just say thank you, James, for all this artwork, and thank you for letting us share it with our viewers out, out here on YouTube and on Facebook. And if you're listening on the podcast version as well, yeah, and you wonder what all the fuss is about, get yourselves over there and go and check it out. That smashing, says uh, Julian Raxall. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. The future of who, says Alan Collins. Brilliant, adds Chris Persia. And we get wonderful from, from uh, Vanessa Law here. And love that, adds Darren Powell. So oh, we like to send people 
off to bed or wherever else you're going with a smile on your faces. But that, yeah, that does wrap us up for now. We'll be back next time with more Type 40 Live. It's our season finale next Thursday at 8 o'clock UK time. Don't miss that. We should have more of our regulars back on the bench then and maybe a surprise or two. We'll see what we'll be discussing. We're going to let that out of the bag in a few days' time. But, yes, thanks for being here. Please like the video if you haven't already, and you've been here all this time. We've had a lot of people watching tonight. Thank you for sticking it out with us. <laughs> like the video, subscribe to the channel, hit that cluster bell so you get those notifications about when we're going live next. Lots of other live streams. If this was your first show, and I think we've had a few people where it has been your very first show with us tonight, there are, if you can't get enough, there are more. There's a whole playlist full of Yow. live streams, lots of topics of conversation, some quite sensible. I know, I know who'd have thought it. And some very, very silly. You can take your pick, really. We've got reviews of stories. We've got rounds of Ask Us Anything. We've got tributes to dear departed stars and uh, recurring characters from Doctor Who. We've got discussions. We've got our joyous celebration of the departure of Jodie Whittaker and Chris Chibnall from a few weeks ago. <laughs> as well, there's a whole list of other things. We've got guest stars as well when we when we got the wonderful Bob Baker in as a guest and other YouTubers and podcasters, all manner of other things. So yeah, go and knock yourselves out with that as well as checking out Type 40 Podcast stream or download that from our master feed. That's a type40.podbean.com or on the podcast of your choice. You can take your pick, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcast from, you can find Type 40 itself. We'll be back again next time. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Charlotte, for joining me this evening. And thanks to you for watching and for commenting and for your time. We'll be back again next week for more Type 40 Live. But that does finish us off for now. You lot take care. I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Those shows are a blast to make. We'll be putting more of them out too here on the Type 40 feed. But if you want to catch Type 40 live, literally live, join in with the comments on YouTube and Facebook and wherever. Head over to YouTube, search for The Space Book, and there we are. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the little cloister bell. Then you'll get all the notifications on when we'll be live streaming next. We always have the time. If you have the space here at Type 40, thanks for listening. More soon. Take care. Bye-bye. A Doctor Who podcast is a Spacebook production for the Fandom Podcast Network with music by Problem Being.